0: Oscars podcast cho cho
1: I was thinking about This is one of the few uh, episodes that the theme song actually kind of matches up. It's like <laughs> Thematically th- appropriate. This orchestra piece that usually just goes into like, penis, fart noises. <laughs> no,
0: you're gay. <laughs> it's like, hey, we start off with the Jurassic Park theme, and then we're going to talk about <laughs> uh, Game of Thrones for 45 minutes. Uh, yeah, it's the Super but 2020 Oscar Podcast! <laughs> the highly anticipated, much beloved Oscar Podcast back yes. again.
1: And an exciting year. Yeah. I uh, liked a lot of these but I remember last year being kind of like, uh, eh, you know, Green Book's okay, I guess.
0: <laughs> uh, not to like put anything too far ahead, but uh, just to like as a like early thing, like yeah, this was a supremely good year, I think, for the movies. Uh, so if you're, if this is the first time you're listening to this episode, or you need a refresher, uh, this is the Oscar podcast we do once a year, which is somewhat, uh, but sort of half discussion, half a competition between the two of us. Mm -hmm. So we took a look at the movies, or at least we were given the task to how many we actually saw is up to us. Uh, but seeing the movies nominated for best picture, best actor, and best actress, which of this year, there were 14 individual movies up for that. Uh, we are going to, right now we have sort of randomized these envelopes inside one of the movies. What we're going to do, we're going to open one of them. It'll say what movie it is, what's nominated for. We'll talk about, it, uh, assuming one of us saw it quite a few times. We've had it where we're just like, nope, none of us saw this. And we just yeah. throw, throw it away on the, the next. The one.
1: desert that becomes the best actress category. Yeah. So,
0: uh, we'll do that. We'll talk about the movie. Uh, and then at the end we're we're going to pick who we think is going to win. Best actor, best actress, and best picture. But the only way you can vote for that, you know, either individual or film, is if you saw it. So that's where it comes down to if you have seen them. And then if there's a tie, then it goes down to who saw the most movies. Mm -hmm. And The Punishment, usually, at least the most recent years, has been having to see three just
1: absolutely awful movies Uh which I believe and the stakes way. have have never been higher, with yeah. cats looming largely <laughs> on that list. Uh, Not quite as fair because I think you're going to see it regardless at some uh, point. I
0: might just enjoy cats. Period. Like if if, if you lose, I might just join you on on cats just to be like, oh god, what a train wreck.
1: I cannot lose three years in a row. <laughs>
0: I cannot. Uh, it's cats. Um, we are going to do the new Charlie's Angels movie. And then you wanted to take a look at the Razzies to see what was nominated there. And there's a couple that are kind of weird. So, Cats is already on there. There's Rainbow Last Blood, which I haven't heard is that awful.
1: Like, I heard it's not good. No, shit. but, and there's still probably, like, some action to it that's kind of fun. Like, I, we yeah. can take that one off, because, like, it still might be enjoyable on some level. Uh, the one that I think kind of stands out, aside from Medea Family
0: Funeral, is, uh, The Fanatic which I did not hear about this at all, but it's a movie directed by Fred Durst from mm-hmm. Limp Biscuit fame.
1: And... Starring John Travolta. And yeah. I thought it was
0: playing a mentally challenged person. Uh, Moose is a rabid movie fan who's obsessed with his favorite celebrity action hero, Hunter Dunbar. When cheated out of his opportunity to meet Hunter, Moose gets help from a photographer who knows how to find celebrities' homes. Uh When his actions begin to take a darker tone, Dunbar soon finds himself... I mean... Or guess maybe just a crazy person. Yeah, maybe he's insane. Maybe mentally deranged, maybe. <clears throat> uh, but it is John... I mean, the picture of him is just...
1: Yeah, I've seen them.
0: Yeah, where he has, like, the bowl cut, but he doesn't have, like, long enough hair. for. It's almost like a bowl cut that stops right at where hairlines start, generally. For a
1: guy that's been wearing a wig for decades.
0: Yeah, and, like, (laughs) a 60 or what, 70-year-old man, probably?
1: Yeah, probably. That's doing, like,
0: this weird bowl cut look. I mean, I'm fine with putting that
1: on as the third one. I was curious. I've never seen a Medea movie. Have you? (laughs) Uh,
0: no. I don't think I've seen any of the Tyler Perry, like...
1: So it would be interesting to ignore, like, whatever the Schindler's List of the Medea movies would be. (laughs) Probably Diaries of a Mad Black Woman. I think that was, like, the first one that, like, it it was mandatory for black people to watch. But you just watched the shittiest one that even black people are like, (laughs) oh my god, this is crap.
0: Uh, look, the the decision's in your hands. You could pick whatever one that is going to be a third movie.
1: I'm going to go with the Medea one. Okay. So, whoever loses this. Well, can we talk about maybe getting rid of the Charlie's Angels one? Is that that bad of a movie? I mean, you've seen the trailer for it. It's still going to be Hot Chicks. I don't know. It's I, like, I, I maybe mean, eye Candy Wise. Do you really think
0: it's going to I think it's just going to it looks like it's a pretty shitty kind of goofy movie. I mean, if you want to change it, it... cuz
1: you're losing this year, so it's it's your decision.
0: I yeah, I mean, you can pick whatever you want. I'm, I'll see Cats just cuz I'm going to, but then these the rest of these are your movies. So.
1: Yeah, let's do Fanatic and Medea: Family okay. Funeral.
0: All right. So it'll be whoever loses at See Cats, uh Medea: Family Funeral and the Fanatic then. Agreed. Alright, so, uh, as mentioned, what we're going to do is we're going to pick one of these randomly, uh, and then we're going to start talking about it. So this is right now, if you haven't seen any of the movies nominated for Oscars, and you really want to, uh, this is sort of your one warning, spoilers, once we kind of read out what movie we're talking about, recognize that, very real possibility going to be huge spoilers in there and then probably just going on
1: like we very well yeah, might be
0: in another movie talking
1: about pre references ones. so yeah sadly you might have to skip for the one time we put out a podcast timely
0: <laughs> yeah if you if you're trying to avoid it then just be aware there might be spoilers ahead uh and i guess we should also mention while we're not going to be dis- like we're not going to be voting on who we think is going to win, like best supporting or directing or anything like that. There'll be that some may, overlap. We may sure. still discuss that, so that's the heads up on that. So if you're ready, why don't you pick the first one we're going to be talking about?
1: I'll pick the one that was clearly on top. It's got <laughs> nicotine tar on it. <laughs> the two popes up for best actor for Jonathan Price. Yes, and I did see that one. I saw it too, and I'll honestly say it may be my favorite movie of the year. Really, but I enjoyed it thoroughly. Um, um, even for one that's kind of weird, how it shifts in between languages. Cause, uh, at one point, there it's German. One point, it's Italian. One point, it, or at one point, he's speaking Spanish a little bit. So there's a fair amount of closed captioning, like early in the movie. But I, I loved it honestly. Like the just the dynamic between. Jonathan Price and Anthony Hopkins as, uh, it's Anthony Hopkins as Pope Benedict the 16th and Jonathan Price as, uh, Francis the first it's after Pope Benedict gets elected mm-hmm. and starts there, starts there. And I, I don't remember this much about it, but I, I guess Francis was a close, was like a runner up. Like some mm-hmm. people thought he might win and he goes back to Argentina to be archbishop and gets summoned to Rome to talk to, uh, Anthony Hopkins. And it, it, at first, it's a real combative, you know, Anthony Hopkins taking up kind of like the old role of what the church is and mad about the kind of a lot of the new takes that Francis has about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then kind of morphs into the story where they have an understanding and there is like, and, I don't know. I meant to look this up. I'm curious how true it is that Benedict actually kind of thinks the church needs someone that's more current.
0: So, uh, to, there there was a part of this. So this is one of, the, almost after every movie, pretty much, I went online to kind of look up what other people had said about it, which helped me with a lot of opinions of other movies we'll get to later on. This is one of the ones where there was a lot of criticism towards the movie in terms of i guess i look i was in high school when pope benedict got elected and then i i was in college Really, like, after high school was when i kind of stopped following catholicism so i didn't follow it so when i always stopped
1: being part of your daily announcements <laughs> yeah when it stopped <laughs> when
0: i stopped being graded on it essentially <laughs> uh so that's when i kind of started only following it very vaguely and i always was kind of this uh narrative of, like, Pope Benedict was the bad Pope, and then Pope Francis came in, and he was the good Pope because he was a lot more progressive and did these things. The former and Nazi. The movie starts to push a bit of that for a while because they do kind of present the idea that Benedict, whether it was because of, like, just a, a callousness, like an, like an inability to relate, or just from being old and dithering, seems to incompetently allow these, like, horrible things to continue going on through the church. And then it's like, when Pope Francis gets elected, they're like, oh, all these things will obviously change, because he was aware. Of
1: it this. was the Barack Obama of Popes.
0: Yeah, and it's a, it's a little much, like, apparently that's not really the case. Apparently there was a lot of, like, when Benedict was in the church, he was trying to stop things. And there was, I guess, a lot more politics gain in the way and things like that. It sounds like there's a more complicated story to be told there.
1: I think it uh, kind of ends with that. I think you kind of get the uh, the impression that Benedict wasn't happy with a lot of the, the huge negatives about the church.
0: Yeah, but it's, it's weird the way they try to present it. Like, maybe some of it's just, oh, well, he's an old man, and it's kind of, like, slipped his memory that some of these things have happened. There's, in particular, there's a very big scene where Benedict says something. We don't, as an audience, get to know, because the movie, like fades out and goes into, like, a like white noise, essentially. So Francis hears it and reacts to it. Presumably what he says is like, oh, I guess, yeah, there were a couple priests that got reassigned after, like, specifically, like, we kind of knew and we couldn't do anything about it kind of thing. And that seems to get brushed under the rug as, like, well, maybe if I was more attentive to these sort of things, or oh, maybe if it weren't so old, it would have gotten done. It felt like that was, in a way, maybe a disservice to Benedict. I don't know. I don't know enough about mm-hmm. him individually. But what the core of the movie is, though, is just watching these two old guys just interact with each other. Mm-hmm. And all that stuff's great. Yeah. Like, the, mm-hmm. the best the best way I can only describe this movie is, uh, as I like to call it, My Dinner with Padre. <laughs> where it's just these two guys just talking for almost two hours, essentially. Mm-hmm. And the stuff they talk about is great. Because it's not always the, uh, theology as well. Like, they'll talk about soccer. They're talking about... Uh, Television shows, by the way, uh, Commissar Rex, the uh, dog crime detective show that Pope Benedict likes. It's a real show. Oh, really? It ran in Austria for a decade, (laughs) then came back and ran for another seven years. With a new dog, I assume. (laughs) Well, I assume there had to be several dogs. It's like Frasier, you know. But I was like, get his wait. kid on the phone. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute. There were 17 years of Commissar Rex. How many how many crimes did this dog stop?
1: It's, I'll assume it ran right up until Austria got satellite <laughs> television. No, it was in the 2000s. Oh wow, there was still
0: some. <laughs> there were still seven seasons when the reboot came back.
1: But it was Benedict's sole reason for becoming pope. So I really like. I, I,
0: I was like, I looked it up. I was like, did they just make up the movie about a crime-fighting dog for Pope Benedict like Oh my God, no, that isn't actually a real show. Uh, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. I thought um, the performances were super good. Uh, I, I honestly, I could just watch the two guys talk for hours. Like it, they were, they were that enchanting with one another.
1: Yeah, it was a great back and forth between them the entire, the entire way. And uh, kind of curious. I wonder if that's true. If if Francis was trying to quit and just. Mm-hmm. And Benedict just wouldn't hear it. And it, it is kind of funny to see, like, a, a guy that, while he wields no, like, actual political authority, it, he's the king of what you're into. So every time it's like, ah, I don't have time to, like, you imagine if you tried to give your boss your two weeks notice for an entire weekend? And he's yeah. like, eh, I'm going to take a dump. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah. It's like, no, no. Dinner time now. <laughs> we'll talk about this.
1: when he, And like, I'm going to have dinner alone, by the way. When he just
0: takes off his headphones in the helicopter, he's like, I yeah. have no time for this anymore. <laughs> like, you're just like... Alright, I guess I'll go on another wacky adventure with you somewhere.
1: And as a Game of Thrones fan, did it feel like you got fourth season High Sparrow, basically Pope it Francis?
0: It's see, I know I knew of Jonathan Price from other things, but the, the moment,
1: wife, right? He's the husband in that.
0: Yeah. But more so it's the moment you see him and you're like God damn you! Watch out, Pope Benedict. You can't trust the high sparrow. He seems he's really infiltrate. cool.
1: Yeah, he doesn't wear shoes. All he's serving soup to poor people, but he goes crazy at one. He's
0: going to infiltrate your kingdom. He's yeah. going to kill Marjorie
1: Terrell. <laughs> Who knows what she would have gotten done?
0: <laughs> yeah, but uh, I, I think it was—I think it was a really solid, uh, a really solid movie. Between
1: mm-hmm. Two of them. Uh, yeah. That being said, I since th- this is only in there for best actor, I'd say he's probably got. Less than 10% of a chance of winning that.
0: It's it's astonishing, because not to, like, get too far ahead of things.
1: To go against him is going to be ridiculous. The
0: the best actor category is beyond stacked. So much so that
1: you're like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm sorry.
0: But also, no Robert De Niro. No Christian Bale. No Robert Downey Jr. No William Defoe. Uh, no nomination for the guy from 1917, uh, Dean Charles Chapman. Like all those people put in amazing performances this year and none of them are nominated. Like that's how strong the
1: top, like, the yeah. five people for best actor are. So and best supporting's even ridiculous. Yeah, which we can talk about at some point cuz that's not one of the categories we pick, but it's insane. It was so good that you would have assumed the Oscars a- who are like terrified of looking racist that they're like I'm sorry, it was just white guys this year. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It would. would what do you be, kick out of this category? Yeah,
0: it would be something that like 5 years ago or like maybe like 15 years ago, you'd be like, "Oh, these were all this must be best any one category. of these yeah. could win." Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting on that. Uh all right. But We're gonna move on to the next one here and talk about Marriage Story, which is up for Best Actor, Best Picture. It's the only and one, right? Yeah, it's got going to back up to... all
1: three. So obviously you saw it, right?
0: Uh, yes, I saw Marriage Story. Uh, not intentional, by the way, that we've gone back to back on Netflix ones.
1: But uh, oh yeah, we're getting those two out of the way. That'll be <laughs> great after this. You like didn't see, didn't see, didn't see, <laughs> didn't see. Didn't see.
0: Uh, this one I did see. And this one, so I did actually rank the movies as I saw them. And, uh, not to like pull anything out. This was my second best of the year. Really? I loved Marriage Story. It is, it's ruthless, it's brutal, but something so emotionally raw like that immediately kind of hooks me on that. Uh, the performances are incredible. It made me realize, made me a little angry at Star Wars. Well, I'm like, you had, Adam Driver, and you wasted him in these movies. He's fucking, he's incredible. He's eclectic.
1: Yeah, I saw an Onion article that uh, like uh, I didn't see it was the Onion at first. Then it was like Adam Driver suffers major fracture in uh, lumbar spine, and then it's like dot 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 from carrying the Star Wars. movies.
0: <laughs> it is. It's
1: astonishing now that I've seen him in other movies. I'm just like,
0: God damn it, he's, fucking he's phenomenal. Incredible. Yeah, he's incredible, and he's absolutely phenomenal in this movie uh, for people who haven't seen it, Marriage Story uh, directed by Noah Baumbach some have said is essentially just a very uh, loose retelling of his own messy divorce which followed pretty much the exact same sort of story uh, an L.A. New York kind of divide having a very young son uh, but it's about a husband and wife husband played by Adam Driver wife Scarlett Johansson who are going through a divorce he lives uh directing plays as a director in New York she wants to go to L.A. to become
1: an actress. Having and, been, like, an actress in, like, teen movies yeah. in her earlier days. And now, But now she's, like, a centerpiece in his plays.
0: Yeah. And uh, they have this very messy divorce that kind of escalates as they kind of get further and further into the divorce system. And uh, it goes to some pretty just brutal places. Uh, probably some people may have heard that there's a, an argument scene, which is... Sort of the cornerstone of the movie, yeah. Um, but it it that movie that scene lives up to exactly kind of what it delivered. It's it's two people who are just absolutely fire as performers, just putting it all online. And I I love that there's just there's no quarter taken in showing how kind of revolting the business can be, where. That it's just people going at each other, and how quickly they'll they'll immediately try to use any vice to get ahead, like any kind of small rumor to like create a story in court. And then as soon as that's done, they're like, "Oh, hey, you want to go get lunch somewhere?" And it's like it's it's insane. And then I love that it still kind of has a kind of optimistic ending that says, like, "All right, this family went through something horrifying in this experience, but." He gets good
1: trick-or-treating time, yeah, finally. Yeah,
0: like, it still kind of suggests that they're going to be able to work together and be a part of this. Like, both of them are going to be able to be a part of this kid's life going forward. Uh, and I think really kind of showed the idea that, like, marriage isn't a fail, or, like, divorce isn't a failure on an individual's part. It doesn't Like, you're not a worse-off person for if a marriage fell apart, as they do. Uh, and I thought that was a super important kind of message to extend. Because usually when you see, a, like, a divorce in a big movie, somebody's the bad guy. Like, the husband's cheating on the wife, or the wife's insane, or something like that. There's not really a bad guy. They
1: did that in this movie. No. They gave him that affair that was completely that ha- unnecessary. That happened
0: after they were already on the rocks.
1: But still married.
0: Still married, no longer, like, seeing each other, though. Still like, living was, together He was already and married on the couch. Yeah, but the
1: idea is, like, he wasn't the bad guy in the way most of those try to present it. It gets me to one of my... I'll start with the compliments. First of all... The Oscars don't do, like, a Best Ensemble cast, but I think if you did, this movie would have it on lock. It's For uh, Wallace Shawn alone is, like, a weird, creepy... Which, kind you, of creepy, I don't like, know what his
0: role is. <laughs> kind of, like, molestery actor <laughs> yeah. into play, where he's just like, I got to hold up Beth, right?
1: But you're 100% right. Scarlett Johansson's phenomenal. Adam Driver's amazing in this. Even the best supporting cast, like, Alan Alda as his original attorney that's not ready for, like, the big time is so heartwarming. Uh, she's such a cunt in the movie. You Laura want to Dern. hate her, but Laura Dern is fantastic in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ray Liotta. It's the best thing Ray Liotta done in decades.
0: In movies. Yeah, certainly. Um, I mean, let's not take away from his, the his great movie. work on uh, Kimmy Schmidt.
1: <laughs> oh, Kimmy Schmidt. I was like, or the B movie. <laughs> yeah. Looks like a goddamn Roy Rogers fixing bar flipped over in here. Uh, it's one of the strongest casts I've seen in a movie in forever. Um That being said, I think it's a fairly by-the-books divorce movie that they just threw a Hollywood twist on. And I think while they were making it, maybe, maybe someone behind the scenes was like, Adam Driver comes off too, like, sympathetic in this movie. How about we give him an affair, which plays no role. Like, his mistress is barely in the movie I don't. I thought that was a little hacky. Like, they needed to give something to make you not... Because at first, you're just like, Scarlett Johansson's a bitch. She gets him out of that mediation, which basically starts the whole movie and starts uh-huh. this progression to both of them hating each other. Yeah.
0: Um, I mean, it's, it's presented early on that this could have been a fairly amicable divorce until she's talked into seeing a lawyer. Yeah. And the lawyer kind of listens to her story. First person, I guess. Well, because a
1: mediator is a lawyer. The first guy... it's What's his name? Rob Smigel, right? Uh, it might've been, yeah, it's Robert Smigel is the mediator. A mediator is a lawyer, but when you get a mediator, it's agreed that you just pay the mediator just makes a flat fee. Mm -hmm. So he's got no like skin in the game as far as like dragging this out. But as soon as you get a lawyer, you know, a lawyer doesn't make any money. If you just make an agreement and sign everything, a lawyer needs like, you know, long standing litigation to try and get their nut. Um, but yeah, I love the performances. I thought the movie was fine. Okay. I thought the story, I thought, was fine. What was her Halloween costume the, the first time? The first time? When she's at that party and she's like, just finger me. Oh. With that guy. Was uh, she Buster Poindexter, or? No, she was uh, David Bowie, wasn't she? Was she? Okay. Yeah.
0: At the, the, the one big party, she was, because I forget, they made mention of something to they he's they specifically call upon a like an era David Bowie. And oh, I've like heard some okay. people extrapolate that to be like what they assinuated she was was what she was prior to moving to LA, but the version she is now is kind of Bowie at his point. Oh, prime. it's her like,
1: transition. Yeah, this thing. was
0: like her up yeah, sort of upswing. What did you think of the knife scene? Oh, it's brutal. <laughs> like, when you just see him, like, cut, like, it, this fucking, oh, and you hate it's, her. It's the second, such a scumbag. It's the
1: second funniest scene in the movie for me.
0: <laughs> She's such a scumbag. Him opening
1: woman. the door. <laughs> like,
0: just like, please go. Like, I, I don't know how you wouldn't just, like,
1: punt her out of there at that point. Just blood drizzling down his arm. And she's supposed to be a social worker looking after the welfare of the kid. And it's like, when you think, like, well, you need we need to call 911, like, immediately. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and just like, oh, are you okay? Like, oh, I'm fine, really. Uh, do, can I get another water? <laughs> There's a scene
1: where, he, the, an incredibly, like, awkward scene where a, a social worker comes over, I guess, to monitor him and his son just hanging out and having dinner. And at the end, as she's, like, shortly before she leaves... Uh, Adam Driver's character mentioned that he used to do this trick for his kid that always, like, bothered his wife, where he, like, pretended to, like, stab himself with something. But it was, like, a blade that would go in, except this time it doesn't. And he basically, like, (laughs) stabs himself in the wrist. He slits. It's it's like a large cut down
0: the forearm, essentially. Basically like a box
1: cutter. Yeah. And he starts bleeding pretty quickly. And then... I honestly thought this was going to be how the movie ends. He goes into the... He's bleeding profusely. Yeah. He goes into the the kitchen and basically just wraps some paper towels around and then passes out and falls over on the ground without calling 911. Yeah. And this kid just walks by and like grabs a cup of water and then leaves. (laughs) I thought I was going to... I thought that's how it was going to end, honestly, because it was like, without medical attention, you're going to die. I don't...
0: I think once... Is there a scene enough- of
1: him calling 911 <laughs> after that?
0: Hopefully, yeah. I assume, I guess maybe if you just put enough pressure on it, you stem the bleeding. It didn't seem like what? Yeah, it didn't seem like it was working so well, but, I mean, who knows? I'm not a... I had Boy Scouts for six years, but <laughs> I can't remember all these things.
1: What a crazy ending that would have been. Oh,
0: yeah. That would have been horrifying. Like, Noah, <laughs> did this happen to you? Did you cut your arm and almost die in your kitchen? Like a dog? <laughs> like a filthy dog? Um, yeah, I think... Uh, I would be yeah. happy
1: for either of them to get best actor or best actress. Yeah. I don't think it's going to happen, but...
0: um, I think she might have a shot at it. I think he's... I mean, we'll get to it. He's going to be back again. There, yeah, they're, they're, they're both really great. I think this really kind of cemented why both of them are such compelling performers, and she's also nominated for best supporting as well,
1: which I think she's going to get because uh, we're not giving you best actress because of this other crap. Yeah, movie. The,
0: I think the only challenge to that is probably Laura Dern in this movie. I've heard a lot of people say you might get it,
1: but she is great, isn't that she's fantastic? And the one like uh, the one where it's not in court, where they're just meeting, and then they order lunch at the end. They're like, oh, yeah. you like most. And her tits are just, like, spilling out of this dress. <laughs> like, who's this for?
0: <laughs> it's weird. It's like this, uh, almost like Six Degrees of Kevin Bacon, where it's like, yeah, Lauren Dern, uh, also in Little Women, which is another movie we'll be talking about she at is? some point. Yeah.
1: yeah. So. Uh, Great year. Big year for her.
0: Yeah. Big year for a lot of people. But, Robert uh, De Niro as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's awesome <laughs> in a couple movies here. <clears throat>
1: Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, up for Best Actor for Leonardo DiCaprio and Best Picture. Saw it? Did see it. Uh,
0: I, I really did like this one. Uh, it took me a while to kind of get everything Tarantino was going for. Um, I kind of had to listen to a couple people talk about how I guess this is almost meant to be interpreted as a fairy tale of Hollywood, like, hence the name. Uh. And that kind of plays a large part into uh, the charitably called infamous ending of this movie, uh, which for a large part almost feels completely disconnected to the rest of the movie, which mm-hmm. is the story of Rick Dalton and his uh, like stunt double Cliff, <clears throat> uh, who Rick Dalton was like an old... Leonardo Chief DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Yeah. yeah, there's sort of an old cowboy uh, TV actor... Who his shows are kind of done now. He's now kind of taking bit parts, not and getting movies, and it he's is, yeah. and he's struggling not to accept deals to go and do spaghetti westerns because he thinks that'll be a, a downswing for his career and just trying to survive
1: being and, regulated to TV acting when that was a huge demotion for yeah. a film star.
0: Uh, and then and it, it, they also kind of create this idea that he was someone who was almost on Steve McQueen's level. Yeah. Uh, and then midway, like I should say, midway through in the background has been this kind of looming thing that Sharon Tate's in the movie. And we know Charles Manson's in the movie and they start doing things that specifically reference sort of the real life followings of what eventually becomes the Sharon, the Sharon Tate murders.
1: Brad Pitt's character meets the Manson family. Yeah. They, we see
0: Charles Manson go to the house and ask for Terry or whatever and all those sorts of sets up. Uh, and I, I, honestly, Tarantino can kind of be hit or miss for me. I think when he's at his best, he creates really compelling characters with really great dialogue, and almost everything with Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio kind of fell into that for me. Yeah. Like, I love great. Leonardo DiCaprio in this movie. I love the scenes. And the of fact him. we've never had them together. Yeah. And Brad Pitt is like a supporting actor who still feels so huge in the movie, is such mm-hmm. a presence. And God, what a hunk. Just really at like 50. It is so weird. He we still has a shirt, shirt off, scene.
1: <laughs> and you're like, I'm like, I'm like fanning myself like oh my Ooh. As every day I lie to myself like Eh you'll never get in immaculate shape You're 37 Brad Pitt's like 58 and- Yeah and just cut like a goddamn fucking steel beam Crouching in the worst position possible <laughs> Never looked hotter in his life
0: yeah. uh, and, and I love their, all the stuff they do together um, the stuff that I'm not a huge fan of Tarantino tends to be when he kind of does, like, uh, like, I, I wasn't a huge fan of Hateful Eight. Just I haven't
1: liked one since the Django, to be honest with you.
0: Yeah, like the... I haven't loved one. Anyway. Kind of, like, huge degenerate violence, which is part of what the ending is. And I, I understand what he was going for with the ending,
1: the ending still is kind of an oddity. It feels me. like lip service to the like bros that are Tarantino fans. Like there better be some over the top violence in this.
0: Yeah. Well, so to, to just cut right to it. Uh, and again, spoilers, but the ending has the Sharon Tate murders are about to happen. The, the three people are going to their
1: house. Yeah. Leonardo Canada. Carpio is next door neighbors with, uh, Sharon
0: Tate and Roman plants. Yeah.
1: Uh, before they can go in, like, the, they're
0: at essentially the gate, that would be the driveway to the, the Polanski house, uh, cul-de-sac. The uh, Leonardo DiCaprio comes out, and is like, hey, turn off your fucking music, get out of here. So they Damn hippies? <laughs> yeah. And they're like, wait a minute, was that Rick fucking Dalton? So they decide to kill him instead. <laughs> and they go in, and Brad picks One them. man, two women. Yeah. And it's the same people who yeah. did the actual ones. And uh, they use the same lines and everything like that. And, uh, the, the heroes of the story just, uh,
1: gratuitously kill them.
0: Uh, not like... Like, they just beat them up a lot yeah. and, like, smashed their heads against
1: telephone poles. Bad, yeah, Brad Pitt is taking, uh, tripping on acid for the first time ever. Mm-hmm. He's already established himself as a solid badass that can... Oh, yeah. And may have killed his wife, <laughs> at, you not <don't> really.
0: <laughs> at the expense of poor Bruce Lee, too.
1: Yeah, we can get to that. But, uh... <laughs> established he's a badass. Established that he's had a, a very well-trained dog... Mm-hmm. Uh, which, Joe had never seen like a purebred pit bull before. He's like, what is that? I was like, that's a purebred pit bull. (laughs) And they are built for just mayhem. If you get, I mean, they're lovable animals, definitely, but they will murder you. They'll fucking attack you. And, uh, it just goes into a a crazy bloodbath that ends with a flamethrower fight. Man, that poor last girl. Jesus Christ. That's,
0: that's (laughs) the, she's probably the only reason why I had an issue with it, is because you just have to hear this girl scream for what I feel like has to be 12 straight minutes of just nonstop screaming because she gets her face punched in really badly and then I think she like goes through her screen like a glass door and then falls to this pool and then has herself set on fire and I've listened to some interpretations that this was sort of I guess a a large part of uh, Tarantino's career has been kind of defined by people criticizing him for his gratuitous violence Mm -hmm. and this was his way of saying like these were people who are real life violent and this is me defeating them with movie Mm -hmm. violence. And just trying to create a happy ending for this this love letter to this time in Hollywood that I adore so much and give it a happy ending and mm-hmm. everything like that. Like, I get what he was going for. I don't know if it necessarily 100% works for me. I mean, it is nice to see, like, at the end of the movie, you're like, oh, it seems like we're actually going to get kind of a happy ending. Like, uh, Rick Dalton gets welcomed into the Polanski household, so the idea is, like... Brad, he probably it finds presumably a survives, and he's getting muffins the next day. Yeah, and like if if Rick Dalton, <laughs> how mad would you be if fresh... Rick
1: Dalton just like oversleeps and doesn't show up at the hospital? like, <laughs> oh, you want to. And then shows up at like four p.m. with no muffins. Like, hey, you everything good? <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I I the idea
0: is to kind of create like a happy ending for it, and in that regard, I can get it. I, I do see why people are annoyed by it. Um, I mean, it's not the only movie this year that used the Sharon Tate murders as a backing to something. Uh, the other one being The Haunting of Sharon Tate, which.
1: is on the Razzie's list. Yeah,
0: I've heard it's a pretty bad movie, especially in terms of bad taste. Um, but, I, I, I still really liked it. Again, I, I really, I really love DiCaprio and Bad Pit in the movie. I, 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 like, that's again another, like, two person combo that I was like, I could watch these guys for
1: hours. I've gotta agree with that. That is some of my favorite stuff that came out of a movie like and honestly Leonardo DiCaprio this might next to like The Aviator this might be my favorite Leonardo DiCaprio performance too yeah like him the entire when he's on the set of The Lancer that western I think all of that's genius and he's acting his tits off
0: he's acting as an actor like it's a two layer performance where he has to pretend to be someone else within someone else who hates himself
1: and he's a debilitating alcoholic yeah he pulls it off Brilliantly. Yeah. Brilliantly. And you saw that scene in the commercial of the girl, like, the child actress. Yeah. Who, she's great in it, too. But, like, whispering in his ear, like, that was amazing. And he, like, cries. And in the commercial, you're like, that looks cheesy as fuck. But in the movie, it's perfect.
0: Oh, yeah. That, it nails it. It nails it. They have this great scene beforehand, the two of them, too, which is
1: just phenomenal. Where he's, like, just sneaking booze into his cup of coffee. And, and, trying and she's not to, like... And only- not even reading the script. And she's, like, memorizing the script. And
0: he's openly trying not to weep as he tries to explain the story of this book he's reading that has become a very clear allegory of his life.
1: Yeah. it. Like I said, it, it's my second favorite Leonardo DiCaprio performance. And, and there were some people that were like, that's weird, man. It's like 45 minutes of Lancer just in the middle of this movie. I was like, the whole movie could have been yeah. this. And honestly, I would have been thrilled. Maybe a little bit more Brad Pitt, but... I, that stuff I absolutely loved. Uh again, just like in Glorious Bastards, I absolutely despise history changing at the end of a movie. I don't get who it's for. I don't like the idea of him just decide. like what's the next movie? He changes uh, what like the Indians win and they control America or something. I guess I don't like the idea of him doing just changing shit like that just to suit him.
0: I think it's just for people who want to see that. Type who just didn't
1: want to see Margot Robbie get butchered.
0: Yeah, I guess. But at that point, you also could say, why is Margot Robbie even in the movie?
1: Because she is yes. barely
0: a presence. Very, movie. very much agreed. Uh, there's only one scene that actually kind of humanizes her in any way. When she goes the movies. Go, when she goes to see herself in her own movie. Uh, and even that's kind of a relatively small scene within everything else. I I understand. I I've listened again to other people say why she's so important to the movie because I guess Sharon Tate kind of represented like her death kind of was an end to that sixties glory Hollywood like that was happened in sixty nine so that's kind of where people can mark a lot of things changing after that mm-hmm. but even then. Uh, Considering how good Margot Robbie is as an actress, it felt like a shame to give her so little to do in this movie, aside from dance and, a couple and looking of scenes, great. Basically. Yeah, yeah, I was like, no, she's she's deserves like a bigger role than this. So I, I was yeah. a little disappointed she had so little to do in the movie.
1: Yeah, I would agree. It, that character almost kind of just not needed.
0: Yeah. Uh, oh, I guess the one thing I wanted to mention was the the Bruce Lee part. Uh, still maybe one of my favorite scenes of all the movies we see this year is where he comes at Brad Pitt and Brad Pitt just throws him into a car. It's one of the weirder
1: scenes because I guess maybe cars like that were built then that like you could throw a person into it. (laughs) I don't, I thought cars were built heavier back then. I guess.
0: Maybe that, I mean, it was for a movie set, so maybe it was like built to be more like a prop, I guess. Uh, But yeah, this movie... I can't imagine the Bruce
1: Lee family is thrilled with this. Certainly not. What the fuck, Mom?
0: (laughs) Certainly not favorable (laughs) to the Bruce Lee family. (laughs) Where uh, he's just like, oh, he's just kind of a bump of stick, this whole thing. All right. Uh, All right, we're going to take a quick break here (laughs) to bring our dog back upstairs, and we'll be back with the next movie. Okay. uh, So the next movie is going to be Little Women, nominated for Best Picture and Best Actress for Sour Shoes Ronin. (laughs) I don't know I, how you're supposed to. Saris Ronan? I think it is Saris Or is it like Sarus? I, I feel like it's more fancy than the way I'm. I thinking. thought you corrected me one time. I think I thought I did, but I might not have actually have known. <laughs> <laughs> that might have been me being like, I've heard it somewhere at some point.
1: The uh, most Irish name ever. Yeah.
0: Uh, so I did see Little Woman.
1: Has to die. I. Uh, I enjoyed it. Saw it in theaters.
0: Yeah. I actually, I'm, I'm going to go out, I'm going to mention this now ahead of time. All the movies I saw, I saw legally.
1: As did I, actually. Yeah, all, all I, that, I did a quick all, think in my all head that there.
0: effort spent for the porn laptop, and
1: <laughs> it just wasn't cutting it. Oh. At all.
0: <laughs> um yeah, I, I actually. So, I've not seen any of the Little Women stuff before this. Uh, I think I've heard various. I must have seen
1: one because they've done they did one in the nineties. I think I must have seen the that at with some Christian point.
0: Bale and uh, Winona Ryder. Yeah,
1: I must have seen that at some point because I, I knew a lot of the the plot points.
0: Okay, I, I had not really heard of it much before. I knew I've heard of, like, the names before. I knew one of them died. Yeah. Uh, so, kinda going into it knowing that. Uh, despite that, uh, really enjoyed this movie. Uh, it's a great cast. Yeah, uh, particularly, uh, however you say her name, Sarisa Ronan. She's a fantastic. She's one of the best, like, She's the new Meryl
1: Streep. She's gonna be which I think is one of the reasons she's probably not going to win yeah. for best actress cuz you know she's going to be around for a while. She's so charismatic. What is she 22, 23 and you think about it and I first saw her in Grand Budapest Hotel mm-hmm. and between that and now she's Lady Bird, Brooklyn and then this and it's like what a powerhouse like 5 year period. Yeah. Oh,
0: she's great. Um she she absolutely Steals the movie. I shouldn't say steals because it's actually a very good supporting cast around her. Yeah, uh, I've come out of this movie so the, much more. The of a spoiled
1: fan. sister, I think, is up for best for, supporting Florence actress. Pugh, yeah. uh, who plays? I Amy. was surprised Emily Watson didn't get that.
0: I'm actually kind of glad. I, I've heard uh, that. I guess Amy, I think, is the kind of spoiled sister. I guess previous versions of this story have really villainized her a lot more. Oh, really? Then this version. Because in this one, it's kind of like, no, these are four girls like with the kind of the different staff. ideas. She's kind of annoying. Yeah, she's kind of a bratty little kid when she's younger. Uh, but they kind of show that as she gets older, she matures quite a lot. I guess that isn't really so much of the case in the other versions. They kind of, I guess, vilify uh, Amy a lot more in the other versions, I per really. se. Uh, but I thought she was great here. And she was also in Midsommar where I heard she was really great at it. And it got me more excited now for the Black Window movie because she's playing the other sister in that one. I was like, Ooh Oh, okay. I'm I'm I really do I do like Flair, uh, Florence Pugh a lot. Um I think maybe uh my favorite part of it is Chris Cooper finally gets to play a movie role where he's not a complete shithead.
1: And you assume he's going to be you're, any given moment, minute.
0: The moment you see him. He's gonna, gonna oh, finger this... that sick girl. God he's, damn it. He's gonna he's gonna do something awful. It's just what he does. You're like, oh my
1: god, no, he's just a sweet old man. And they set him up like maybe he, like, oh, that grumpy old what's his Mr. What's his name? Yeah. He's not gonna let us play there and Yeah, and he turns out to be such a sweetheart. And one of the most emotional, the and closest I, I came to really getting choked up was the scene where he's standing outside after the youngest daughter.
0: Uh, uh, Bath.
1: Bath. After Bath's died. And, and he's like, doesn't, doesn't feel hands. right walking in.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's, it's he's great. um, Lord Dern is very good. I, I think it's, it's a challenge because it's, it's sort of a period piece, but more like modernized, at least in terms of like trying to not feel stodgy at points. So it's a very difficult thing to keep you in it. And I think yeah. everybody does a very fantastic job at that. With one exception, uh, Bob Odenkirk as the dad.
1: That, this has been a roundtable discussion on very comedy podcasts, where if you're a comedy nerd, they're like, does Bob Odenkirk pull you when he shows up with big fake mutton shops? Does he pull you right out of it? It's like, yes, immediately. Uh, <laughs> when you're just like, what is
0: this? <laughs> like halfway through the movie, you're supposed to be excited because the dad shows up. Finally you're just like it really left me like scratching my head where it's like, ho ho, children like the moment I see it I'm like, Is this one long Mr. Show sketch that I've been what waiting to pay ten dollars for?
1: It's a hundred percent. That's what it feels <laughs> like.
0: Like with the every seat he's in, you just feel like there's this like like David Cross. Well, I'm gonna, gonna go to California. You know, like David Cross is gonna show yeah. up. Like she's the milk girl. Like freshen your
1: drinks, ladies. With or a goatee. Like that. And, yeah. at yeah. <laughs> like a dress that's up to his waist. I heard one where they talk about. It, they're like, well, it, I mean, yeah, everyone. You know, most people watch Breaking Bad, but it, if you're not a big comedy nerd, Bob Odenkirk doesn't pop out at you like that. And you just kind of go... Because he's in the background in most scenes. He's yeah, not he's, like he's a prominent... he's not like the
0: forefront of like the major scene he comes back in, but...
1: But yeah, oh, it immediately pulls the me off. The moment you see him go through the door... Again. He's going to open a briefcase and it farts like... <laughs> <laughs> Like,
0: if I didn't know him as such, like, a sketch comedy guy, and they didn't, like, again, they put the bare minimal effort into putting makeup on him, where they just, like, slap a couple mutton chops in him, and put him in the outfit from uh, Muppet Christmas Carol that we gave Scrooge, and just let him have
1: at it. <laughs> what if you were working on the filming crew, and they're like, hey, we're just getting some financial stuff in order, we're gonna pay you completely at the end of this but this is a totally legitimate movie don't worry about it and then like the last like couple weeks of filming you see Bob and Kirk show up you're like this is never going to be in theaters is this? this is a joke isn't this am I getting punked <laughs> um, but, yeah isn't that one scene at the it's the one scene at the end where uh, they're all sitting around having dinner and, and again he's only in group shots for the most part but uh, I forget. It's one of the, someone that's there. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go out to California. You know, a lot of immigrants are going out there to to, to make their way. And he's like, hmm, think I'll go out there. <laughs>
0: <It's> like, <laughs> like we're supposed to see him in a car that's too small a minute later with like all the luggage falling off, like off to California. All the daughters hanging off, like
1: <clears throat> Keystone Cop style.
0: Um, <laughs> Bob Odenkirk aside. I did really enjoy the movie. Um,
1: I was confused by the ending. Oh, where... Does she not get married in this movie, or does I she? I think
0: it's kind of ambiguous. In the, in the actual story, she does.
1: In real life, the author never married. The
0: author never married and did not want that. So I think you, It, was, I think it I think would have it
1: was, been Cerise Ronan's character, although her character has a different name than the actual author.
0: Yeah, I think the idea was to kind of tell it on a meta perspective, to be like, here's the character who is also an author... Kind of doing what the real-life author wanted to do, but also accepting yeah. the gigantic payday that goes along If you're going to marry with, like, off yeah, my
1: sure. main character, then yeah, I, I'm going to need to keep my copyright.
0: Uh, yeah. I would say that if, like, in my interpretation, I'd say, yeah, she does marry the guy actually in the movie. Uh, but it, it definitely was meant to represent the fact that the, the real uh, author had that issue where mm-hmm. she never married and didn't want uh Joe to get married at the end.
1: Yeah, I found it very enjoyable for a movie that probably isn't aimed at dudes, cause you know, no. it's so much about sisterhood. And no
0: nudity at all.
1: No. no real disappointing. Like, come on, Bill Odin, tear <laughs> off Cerise Ronan's top.
0: Okay. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I really dug it. Uh, this was, that, that was one of the more like enjoyable ones. Which, uh, so, Mikey, are you a Joe, Beth, Amy, or Meg? I wanna say?
1: <laughs> I was confused. Uh, is Emily Watson's character the oldest? She's...
0: Meg, I thought Joe was the oldest.
1: I wasn't sure. I thought maybe it was supposed to be Emily Watson's character was supposed to be the oldest, and then it went to, and then it went to Cerise Ronan's character was the second oldest. Maybe. I don't really. Regardless, I would probably say I'm Emily Watson's character, where it's like, no, actually no, because she doesn't marry a rich guy. That's Florence Pugh. Maybe I'm Florence Pugh, because I'm the one that's like, I've gotta like save this family. (laughs) Even once Bob Odenkirk is back, this family still <laughs> needs, Our like, huge bailouts.
0: <laughs> Dad showed up with fake mutton chops like, I'm back, kids!
1: Fake mutton chops and no money. Like... <laughs> <laughs> there should have been a scene of him. him just, like, pushing and pulling his pockets out. Oh, no. That- I
0: lost everything in the war.
1: <laughs> it fell out of the hole in my pocket. How bad was this war going that we needed 50-year-old you in there? <laughs> Yeah, you really do have to wonder, like, what did Bob Odenkirk add to the Civil War? yeah, I get the draft everyone had, but did everyone have to come? (laughs) Did they really draft, like, 60-year-old guys? We were mostly known for their
0: improbability. In the North?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I'd probably say I'm her. Uh, Which one are you?
0: I'd say I'm a Joe. Rebellious spirit at heart, try to be creative. No man can hold me down, but eventually I will marry the oldest one I can find. So
1: Joe brings in money.
0: Yeah. <laughs> hey, her book probably sold a quid a small pen. She, hey, she was there with uh, Beth when she had scarlet fever. You couldn't even be bothered to come home from Britain or whatever you were in.
1: Well, I was busy with my opera lessons. <laughs> I think my third funniest of any line uh, of all the movies this year is her publisher, when he's talking to his wife and his wife's like, so how's your mother? (laughs) No, she's like, you didn't, I visited my mother today. You didn't ask how she was doing. I was like, why don't, uh," he's like, I assume she's alive. (laughs) And she goes, well, every time you visit your mother, I ask how she's doing. He's like, and I, for God's earth, I don't know why you bother. (laughs) I just love that. I don't know why you give a flying shit how my mother's doing, but it is good. All right
0: next movie
1: (laughs) The Irishman Nominated only for Best Picture of the categories, we're and two people about. for Best Supporting. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, yeah, no, no Robert De Niro, and nomination. shockingly for Best Supporting Actress for some <laughs> reason.
0: <laughs> they didn't give Anna Pacman. What did they? She saw she got nominated for Best Supporting. Is she? she?
1: I believe so. Jesus, for the two lines she, she has.
0: has one. She has one line the entire yeah. movie. It's why. <laughs> Which don't get me wrong, a great line, like the way it's delivered and mm-hmm. what its importance is. But, that, man, all right. Well, well, we'll get into it. I did see The Irishman. Over the I've course, seen The Irishman
1: three times now.
0: I watched The Irishman, I believe, over the course of a week. In small hour and 20 minute chunks, basically.
1: Uh, this
0: is an absurdly
1: long movie. I'll start off my review. I love this movie. Um, I think this movie would have been better served. It would have been better served being a series. Uh, Scorsese's not doing that. Mm -hmm. I think it would have been better served adding a half hour of a little bit more plot development and making this two movies instead of one. Making this one movie, I love it, but at three hours and 15 minutes, somehow there's several parts that still feel rushed as far as, like, caring about characters.
0: Uh, there were points where I was watching this movie, and I would stop and tap the screen, because I'm watching it on Netflix on, like, my phone, and I'd be like, alright, well, I've gone through, like, an hour and a half of this, and i tap it, and I'd be like, two hours 45 left! Is this movie getting longer oh, as you, I watch it? Which like, like, they're still making it, like, <laughs> like a perpetual machine, like, as I finish it, the film just re-rolls on itself, like, oh my god, I'm gonna be here forever, aren't I? No, 80-year-old
1: <laughs> De Niro joins a bingo club at the end.
0: Um... So when I first watched this one, I was not a fan of it. I I was like, this, you see more than once? No. Oh. But I I again, I, as with a lot of these movies, this was one of the ones where reading about it a lot helped me kind of better appreciate this movie. Cuz the first time I watched it like, this was too long. This was too long. I I wasn't a huge fan of it, and I realized why I wasn't is cuz this wasn't really a movie for me. I'm not a huge like gangster movie fan, and this movie was like The finale to gangster movies. This was, this was the send off to them all, basically. Yeah.
1: Because it's. An homage, certainly.
0: Yeah, an homage. Martin Scorsese kind of famous for making that genre. His last
1: one, certainly with this cast.
0: Oh yeah. And in that way, this movie makes a lot more sense. Why we spend so much time with them? Why these three actors? Why
1: using the... You need scene. a love of Goodfellas going into this movie. Yeah, You why, need to you, really love Goodfellas. Yeah,
0: and honestly, not having seen Goodfellas yet, like, makes it harder to appreciate what Pesci's doing as, in a role where he's not, like, that crazy and animated. You animated. motherfucker! Yeah. Like, I... Because I watched the, uh... He never uh, screams. The, ...the Around the Irishman table or whatever Netflix has afterwards, and they talk about that on there, like, It how? was the only
1: way they got him back, where yeah. it's like, where you're they, not going to play a crazy, over-the-top, violent guy. yeah. Um,
0: and just seeing how all these things kind of work together, like all this was kind of intentionally a way to just really finally, I guess, put the nail on the coffin They're like, hey, look, I've kind of always stressed that gangster life isn't actually good or cool, uh, because almost all of them die violently. But here's what happens, uh, if you're one of the few that do, you're isolated from everybody, uh, you'll still probably go to prison anyway, Uh, your family will hate you, and, uh, you'll probably just die alone being picked off one by one, essentially, from old age, uh, and, like, as shameless and, uh, unglorified as possible. you're like... Ah, all right. It's actually well, is pretty effective. You get to buy your own casket. Yeah,
1: but it's green. Oh, that. I mean, it was a pretty sweet casket. Isn't <laughs> it's it? it's a pretty. Well, who is that for? Except the know. Irish. There's no one. That, anyone else is like, ooh, that's gaudy as that's shit. very. That's very tawdry. Seven thousand five hundred dollars. And I love that all
0: he has to do is like six thousand. He's like, alright, You got a twist in my arm. All right, we'll do it.
1: Was well, that after he reveals he's buying it for himself? Uh, I think so. He's like, yeah, yeah. The I'm guy's like, totally like oh there. Jesus, this is sad. <laughs> The, the guy that sells caskets gets bummed out. He's like, oh boy,
0: really bringing me down on this.
1: Yeah, um I enjoyed it quite a bit. I, I think it, I think it was a masterstroke in casting Scorsese making it, where he was looking with the, the pieces that he had. And he's like, all right, I got De Niro, I got Pacino, I got Pesci, and basically a who's who of what I want in the supporting cast. Oh, uh, fucking, uh, like, the number of, like, side characters that are great. Bobby Cannavale, uh, uh stephen oh, I forget what his name is. Ray stephen Ray- Graham,
0: I think. Stephen
1: okay. Graham is amazing. In he's this movie. fantastic. Tony Pro. It's my favorite scene in the movie of them getting together in Florida. Oh, it just him being, like, like, 15 minutes late but he just didn't call or... This is how you this is how you dress for a meeting (laughs) because he's wearing shorts. Like, this is how you dress for a meeting in Florida, (laughs) like in anywhere, (laughs) anywhere. And I love the lines. Like, can you believe all those uh, uh, Stephen Graham coming in? Can you believe all those dickheads freezing their ass off up in New York? He's like, it's summer. It's fucking 80 degrees everywhere. <laughs> That's my favorite scene. I think I, it's the best Pacino. Sh- it's my favorite scene in the movie, bar none.
0: I think my favorite's just the car conversation, which is About like... the fish? Yeah, the fish. Like, so what, you know what kind of fish it was? Like, I don't know, I don't know fish. Put a fish in the car. You didn't, you didn't ask him. What kind of fish it was. I don't
1: know. It's a fish. It's so weird, because then he clears it up immediately when Pacino gets in the car. He's like, yeah, I was dropping fish off for whatever, Johnny Boy. (laughs) Well, But he does such a poor job of explaining (laughs) it to this hitman in the side seat. Well, I I did like it, because it's it's also showing the guy, like, the reason he's
0: like... I'm asking because, you know, if somebody asks me, I need to know. And they're like, oh, because he's fully expecting he may have to kill these people in this car. Yeah. The car's going to come up in some way to this crime. So he wants to know what answer he's supposed to give. But just like, almost like a comedy routine. As you just watch Robert De Niro in the back,
1: clearly like, shut up. Who <laughs> shut cares? I, I went <laughs> sitting on it. I have to kill my best friend in a little bit. It's like <laughs> sitting on wet fish. <laughs> Like, they just throw, like, one layer of newspaper on top of it, and that's what he has to sit on for the whole car ride. And here's a small scene I love. I love when Pesci sends him on that run. Pesci sends him on the run, knowing that, like, if you thought anybody else was doing it, you'd probably interfere with it. Mm -hmm. Sends him on the run, but makes him give his sunglasses up before he goes. Because, like, I don't want you trying to hide, like, your tears behind the sunglasses, because that might clue Pacino Hoffa in on what's going on. But, uh... It's so
0: sad, too, when he goes in the house, realizes immediately but he's like we got to get out of here. He still thinks he's on his side too. And yeah. so it's heartbreaking.
1: It's I guess if you had to like if you had if your best friend had to die and you were a hitman, you'd probably be want to be the one You want
0: cuz he does make it quick. Yeah. It's not like there's no like why or he anything. He spends like that.
1: 3 seconds panicking as he goes to the door and then just yeah. takes one in the back of the head.
0: Yeah, like there's no moment where he has to actually sit there and recollect at who's killing him or anything like no. that. It's very clinical and kind of uh, quick. What did you think of Pacino? Pacino's great. I think he's he's very good in the movie. He has some really strong scenes. Uh I think everybody's really great.
1: Uh, the only thing is so oh as i was saying i think de niro's kind of wooden in it but i think that that's suits so the character intentional.
0: it's so intentional for the character he's supposed to be this soulless kind of
1: killer we'll, we'll get to the joker i thought he was pretty wooden in that too but okay, um, yeah. i think that's all he's capable of that's why Which. i think it was like a masterful casting like well here's this soulless killer that so you don't have to yeah. emote much
0: but sort of one of the big talking points to this movie has been the use of its CGI's and ha- CGI to D.A.G. actors and how it's not great in certain moments. I think for the most it's part, not you can bad. notice it. There's a couple where it's glaringly obvious and there's a couple where it's just hilarious. Like the first scene where Robert De Niro pulls into, like, the truck stop. And Joe oh, and he's he supposed to be, in. like, 25. Yeah, and he's <laughs> like, hey, kid, what you looking at? Like, neither of these guys looks anything younger than 40 at this Nobody's point. using kids. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody's a kid in this scene. And then the cop, like, like De Niro was skateboarding by. <laughs> I don't know who okayed this scene. I think it's, Martin Scorsese, he's a genius. He's one of the most brilliant people but there was one moment where I had to question. I was like, no one thought to be like, yeah, let's have 76-year-old Robert De Niro throw this grocery store out oh, on the street and try to beat him up. It's and it's just awful. this old man, like, trying to feebly
1: kick at him, and you're like... Clenching yes. his fist the entire time like an old man. It's so <laughs> ridiculous, because you barely see his face. Why, when you've you're had a like stunt double. double? Just He doesn't say anything. You, you could have just done all of it. it with the it's body it's Bob Odenkirk. It takes me <laughs> immediately out of the movie. I was like, this is so awful. Why would you have... There's no reason. For it, it's it's
0: astonishing, it, that was like the one I was like, all right, oh, this awful kick, like uh, uh. Yeah, it's a
1: real like it's like an old like where he's clearly like he's having a stroke while he's doing it. <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it, that's unexcusable. Um, that may be the only reason it shouldn't win. <laughs> yeah. Like right off the like that would be great when they it's like all right, and here's the best pictures, and that's the scene <laughs> that's, they show. Uh,
0: uh. Uh, but yeah, I, I think. Yeah, hey, this is one I didn't really like going into it, but reading other people talk about it made me appreciate it a lot more. And I, I was able to say, like, even if this isn't a movie that's 100% yeah. what
1: I like. Even if Departed is better, I get this is I, kind of like the linchpin. And I can appreciate what this means to so many
0: people as well. So, I like, I'm glad to hear you liked it so much.
1: Yeah, I, and I liked it more on a The first watch I did, um,. You know, because I've been talking about this movie for like two years since they announced it, yeah. and there's been a ton of delays on it coming out. So I actually like set it up where like I bought like a really good bottle of whiskey and started watching it, and was like fairly drunk, and I was like, Al Pacino is still not in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I, like had to like sober up and make some coffee. Uh, I it's one of my favorite Al Pacino performances. I it feels like he falls out of the accent. When he's doing that, like, accent, that's part of, like, it's good to meet you, even if it is over the phone. Did you, did you watch the thing they did afterwards? Like yeah. The, the, the round table. Yeah. Yeah. But it.
0: I talked about how they were like, yeah, one of the biggest challenges was just him getting out of a chair. Yeah. Where they're just like, y- that was good. You got out of the chair like you're an old man. Yeah. <laughs> so you need to be able to get out of it like a, like a 40 year old man would.
1: We need to clean this up. Um. I thought Hoffa was great, uh, I thought uh, maybe fourth funniest scene is him taking down the flag after JFK gets killed. Oh yeah. that is pretty, <laughs> like Jesus. I'm looking, if you're looking to edit this movie, I'm editing out, uh, Bo Deedle and the watermelon scene.
0: Yeah, that was another one where we were like, Bo Deedle needed to be in this movie. There's a lot of, like, odd scenes that kind of just... Like, did we really need, You like, and I. He hates watermelon.
1: But you and I are gonna love it. It's like, as De Niro's just like, okay, are you pouring a whole bottle of vodka in a watermelon for the two of us? Yeah.
0: Did I need 20 minutes of fucking Robert De Niro smuggling meat around in the movie? <laughs> couldn't we have just, like, explained that's what he got his start in at some point? Yeah,
1: exactly. Well, you could like, couldn't have just been when... Pesci fixed his car yeah. and it's like hey come see me sometime. <laughs> Something
0: like that. Yeah. Uh it seemed a little interesting but-
1: Uh Here's the funniest response. The fish scene. Uh, Reds interpretation of it was that Jesse Plemons' character fucked a prostitute in the back seat and it smelled like pussy.
0: Uh I did actually look this up. This was a real thing that he actually did have a fish in the car. I assumed it was. It yeah, never it was for a, it, it never was a for real a second. Thing. No, <laughs> What a weird thing. He's like, I fucked a prostitute in the car, and she reeked of fish, and she splooshed all over the car no, seat, the, the, and I didn't clean it. Like, was the joke that pussy
1: smells like fish, but I like, guess? What
0: a, what a long, elaborate way of like getting to the idea of, like, that's what
1: could have happened. It was meeting Red fish. before we were going to go to dinner together, and I almost just laughed. <laughs> I was
0: like, <laughs> like, what's... That's what you <laughs> interpreted? This? What a stupid opinion.
1: now nah, I love her. But, uh yeah, I don't think it's—it's it's not win Best Picture. I would be—between cur- the two of them, between Pacino and Pesci, I think it's got a 50-50 shot of getting Best Supporting I actor. think both
0: of them are really—I think— uh, Pesci's fantastic I, in it. I, think I love pa- I think Pesci will probably win it. I think it, it could be a real strong—
1: That uh, look he gives on—and uh, another thing I thought was kind of cool was this was basically the story of, like, the Pennsylvania Mafia for what it yeah. was. Like, the small Scranton Mafia and the Philadelphia Mafia. And, uh, the scene he gets when, after he, he's about to blow up that laundry factory. Yeah. And you realize that that Pesci totally got him out of it. And does that look on Pesci's face? Like, mm mm-hmm. There's a lot of great ones, too. Where it's just like, uh, what is it?
0: Frank? We tried. Yeah. Yeah. You're just like, oof.
1: Dude, by the end, you're like, uh, by the end, I'm willing to put a a bullet in in Jimmy Hoffa's head. Like, you were given so so many many warnings.
0: Yeah. Uh, I'll note this. So again, uh, ranking my movies, this falls in the bottom half, but it's like, it's the first one in the bottom half of my movies. I can see that. Once and, again, and, a very strong and, category. And everything above it, this is all movies ranked. Mm-hmm. Everything above it, uh, I love. Yeah. So it, it, like, it, it, was, it, it is a movie I can definitely. Fair enough. Uh, next up is going to be Judy, which was nominated for Best Actress to Renee Zellweger. Uh, I did see this movie. As did I. Um, I can enjoy this movie. I think, uh, Renee Zellweger is fantastic. Almost weirdly, the only time I've ever felt like, because
1: there's a lot of oddities to Renee Zellweger between, like, the way she talks and her facial looks. The way she looks. Remember, she used to be really hot, like, yeah, not that long ago. I, and all that... There's some plastic surgery or something going on. All that feels like it plays so well into this role. Mm-hmm. And
0: I enjoy her performance a lot. I'm, I, I love also movies about, like, kind of eccentric people on, like, a downturn. Uh, maybe one of my favorite moments of all the movies this year is the very start where she goes into the hotel and the... Clark's clearly trying to tell her like she has no money. Oh, it is and so it's so just, uncomfortable. It's just her being like, oh, honey, wants a cheeseburger? Well, get me a soup, too. And he's like, I need to call the manager you, over. And you she, don't have a room. She's, <laughs> and she stops. She's like, oh forget the soup. I'm so fatigued. I don't even think I could wield the spoon. And he's like, man, you have no money. To get out of this at all. <laughs> I just how over the top and extravagant her yeah. line is like, I couldn't even wield the spoon. As she, as she
1: knows, she doesn't have enough money and she's just hoping pity will get her through this. <laughs> you know,
0: like, just get out of here. Um, uh, it is, I think a really interesting story of Judy Garland. Um, it's brutal when you're like, oh man, she suffered a lot, and they barely touch on the fact she was almost certainly sexually molested during that time as well.
1: Um, it's it's one of the crazier film scenes is the with her and that studio executive who's a real yeah. person. And he, I don't know. I don't know how tall he is, <laughs> but he looks like he's seven five. He yeah. looks like kingpin. He looks giant, and he's so intimidating. Uh, and it's brutal. You
0: watch it, see, scene how She's
1: not allowed kind of to eat. She's again. not allowed to, yeah. She's not
0: allowed to part, like be, like they hold, they hold a birthday party for her and she's not allowed to take part in any of it. She just needs to be present for it because it's almost all publicity. It's right.
1: the old days of Hollywood where you signed a, a contract with a studio and the studio owned you completely. Basically. And your and day-to-day people, life, they did. They and people dictated. were
0: saying, I didn't realize this. The manager was her mom, apparently. Yeah. That's brutal. It's, it's horrifying. So it kind of pays you a little bit of idea of why she This is a kind broken of, person. Yeah. yeah. Um that said, I'm not a like it's really a one performance kind of movie. Uh she kind of carries a lot of it on herself. I I can't really say like there's a supporting character that's all that noteworthy in the movie. Uh I guess there's like her handler and the piano guy are, like,
1: the other characters. And then the guy she... Mark Strong's her husband for the first ten minutes. And then I don't think he's in the rest of the movie. He shows up Oh, months. he shows he up to visit her. Yeah, he
0: shows up to, uh, like, tell her he's taking to kids, basically. Um, I, I do have uh, uh, the comment on this theater. So she goes... The whole thing is about her, like, she's kind of... Uh, she's worn out planning. a welcome
1: in America. So she goes to England. Yeah. And she's
0: performing at, like, opera halls, basically. Yeah.
1: It's uh, like a dinner hall, yeah. Kind of. But
0: it's very—it's ta- you
1: know? a lot of tables. Yeah, it's
0: ups. Everyone's in tuxedos and like gowns, and yet for some reason, the moment she starts bombing, all these people already just hurl rotten cabbage heads at her. <laughs> like, like it was in Philly. Like very <laughs> yeah. quickly, everyone just becomes hooligans. Like oh, boom, Get off the stage, roll with it, huh? I was like, like she, this is like Carnegie Hall. She's not hall, an right? opening act, you know. <laughs> this is it, right? If she leaves, you have nothing. <laughs> yeah, they don't—they don't do someone
1: else. And like, I'll tell you, the guy that booted her off stage and threw garbage isn't getting a refund. No. <laughs> so,
0: um, I I, really, I don't know if there's a ton I can, I really like Renee Zellweger. Um, I thought it was a really good role for her. Uh, and I do like the story. I just didn't have a ton else to say other than like, the kind of creepy.
1: I don't know enough and about two gay uh, guys managed to get an entire room full of people to sing somewhere over the rainbow with. This is the most infuriating part with me. Though, at one point, she's like, She's already been banished from that studio, and she's able to convince the guy, uh, for some reason, the person that replaced her, like, who's after Judy Garland? Some dude with a guitar. Yeah. She's convinced him to let her go up and just do one hit or one song, and she gives it to the band leader, like, your choice, and she plays, and I don't, I'm not entirely familiar with Judy Garland's catalog at all. I knew Clang, Clang, Clang goes to the trolley just <laughs> from The Simpsons.
0: That's what I was going say. The only place I've heard it is The Simpsons <laughs>
1: with Rosie O'Donnell. And, uh, she goes up and it's some song I've never heard of. And I'm like, are you fucking shitting me? you am not getting Somewhere Over the Rainbow? <laughs> she does that song. She wins the audience back over and then she starts doing Somewhere Over the Rainbow. I think it's the only time she's actually singing Renee Zellweger.
0: Uh, yeah, I think there's, like, one other song she might, but there's, like, there's a huge show-stopping kind of number that you can very clearly tell is not Renee Zellweger.
1: She starts singing Somewhere Over the Rainbow and just starts crying in the middle of it, and then it I get... it breaks down. I guess what's supposed to be the pinnacle moment of the, the two gay guys that she's befriended earlier in the movie getting up and, like, singing it, and it gets the whole audience. I was like, you know what, it was the only song of hers I know. I kind of wanted to actually hear the... <laughs> and they do an abridged version of it. Yeah. Um, I thought the much more interesting version of this movie is, like, why is she an icon for, like, gay people born between, like, 1960 and 1990?
0: Yeah, I mean,
1: and it's also Because this is the gayest movie I've ever seen, even behind, even after Behind the Chandelabra. Because it's, like, it feels like this movie was made by gay guys for gay people.
0: Uh, I mean, it's weirdly an uplifting movie when you, like, get... She died six months God later. later. Like, like, what are you talking well, about? Well, that's us? what I mean. It's like a weirdly uplifting movie that ends with, like, an, a like a caption that's like, she died, like, three months after this yeah. performance from an overdose of oversleeping yeah. meds. You're like, Jesus, why didn't we just... I mean, I guess it's a big bummer, but why didn't we just go the extra three months? Like, what a... You're still sending me home just as Sad.
1: Yeah, I thought, I thought it was very, once again, it felt like for gays. Like it was ma- like made for gay people 40 years and older. Yeah. Um, and I just didn't get that. And I don't know enough about her. If she actually like talked like that, even when she wasn't on stage, then it's a masterful performance by, uh, Renee Zellweger. Um, and I would go, we'll save our picks, but obviously she's favorited to win.
0: Yeah.
1: And probably rightfully so. All right. Next movie up on the list, Harriet. I know you saw this because I, I saw it on your I, <laughs> I saw it on the desk.
0: I did see this one. Uh, I'm assuming you didn't see it then. I did see it.
1: You did? Okay. Um, <laughs> this is the longest streak of a movie either like, <laughs> of us has seen. Yeah. I. Yeah. Uh,
0: this is the bottom of my list. This is the worst one I saw. I would have not, to agree. Not to say it's that... Did like, it get worse it? when you looked up what actually happened? Yeah, well, first and foremost, yeah, Harriet Tubman's a fascinating character, like person in history. She lived an amazing life, so much so that the movie ends, and then in like a like again like after credits like epilogue like text thing is like she also served as a spy during the civil war like oh man that sounds fucking fascinating for
1: a movie that they obviously struggled to find a third act to Yeah. or a conclu- an epic conclusion uh but
0: i think the the thing i don't want to disparage uh, Cynthia Evrio i guess is how you say her name Evrio yeah, so. uh i'm sure she's very good um and I, I don't want to try to say
1: that this is it was hard issue. to ignore the flaws in I, the movie. It's
0: just a very like we're gonna be talking about movies that and we're already having And talked this will be movies. the
1: last time we talk about Harriet. Yeah.
0: All, we've talked about all these movies that are so phenomenal at what films
1: are capable of, and this one does none of that. Like your lack your kind of middle of the road review of the Irishman, how far up is the Irishman over Harriet?
0: If, if I was to say any movie this year was bad, it would have been Harry. Now Harry, it's not bad like in like a, a nature of itself. It's just in a vacuum in comparison to everything else. You're like they all did so much better. Like not to spoil anything, when we get to 1917, which I did see. 1917 follows characters in death-defying scenes and keeps you with them, pulls you in, satisfies that tension the entire way through, and Harriet Tubman. They have scenes of her going like in the forest, brand new, being hunted by dogs and people, and they add no tension to it. It is so yeah. doldrum. There's no like score swelling, no interesting camera. Work. Everything is just by the books. Like it's a Hallmark movie essentially.
1: Exactly. It's a it's a movie made for old black church ladies that don't want to see good movies, and I would say. How-
0: furious were you that Big Little didn't get a better scene at the
1: end. Big or long. Big or long. <laughs> Don't or fuck long. his name up. <laughs> was like, it's big something. Big something. It's bigger or long. And as soon as he gets shots, I was like, oh, what happened to his slave hunting dog? <laughs> <laughs>
0: No one cares. It's not important enough to this movie. Although I couldn't have found it to be. It's far away the most fascinating part to
1: Bigger me. Bigger Long was only. Yeah. I mean, the name's ridiculous, but he was the, the only kind of interesting part. Like this yeah. weird comic book villain. In, in this the movie, movie, where you already gave us a weird comic book, completely fictional villain. Yeah. The white slave owner, Gideon, whatever his name was. Yeah. That was just awful. Where you're like, if this is a real person, I'll tolerate this, but I swear to God. And you feel like halfway in the movie, you figure out, like, this is completely made up. This is nonsense. I know she had a slave master. This guy feels completely made up for this movie to give her this triumphant scene at the end. If this guy's made up, and Bigger Long gets (laughs) short-sheeted, just gets shot in the back. This is fantastic.
0: It's shot in the back of the head. (laughs) After his great scene of just, like, I want 300 for Harriet Tubman. He's like, well, I'll take 200, and you guys can split the rest. And everyone
1: points their guns at him, just him, like... He's so scary, and then he like Juggernaut stomps Janelle Monae to death. Like, <laughs> like
0: this character is so over the top. Why is it the movie about him at this?
1: Point? Literally, Juggernaut stomps her. <laughs> like, go boom, a boom.
0: <laughs> uh yeah. So we're
1: not talking about. I looked him up. His second biggest credit was he was. Want to guess? Oh god, it's another Slade movie. A big one 12, five years ago? 12 Years Slave? Five years ago.
0: Oh, uh... 12 Years of Slave again?
1: No, it was uh, D'Jango Unchained. Oh, D'Jango, yeah. He played uh, Chicken Charlie, which was one of the Mandingo fighters. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Uh, next up on here is... And it's... for the
1: record, Harriet got the shortest amount of talking time.
0: <laughs> Just be glad both of us saw it. Just this was glad- a movie that when we started this... Both of us, I think, had the idea,
1: like, eh, I only one. saw it because I saw it on on the desk oh. on the Netflix <laughs> thing. I was like, all right, I better watch this. I can't let Chris or get
0: advantages on me. Uh Next up is Pain and Glory, nominated for Best Actor with Antonio Banderas.
1: Did not see. I did see this one. Jesus Christ. is it, How bad is this going to be for me? <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Uh, I'll, I'll keep this kind of short then since... It almost good. isn't even fair. Between, like, a full-time employee <laughs> doing law school at
0: night... Again, most of these movies I just rented on Redbox and
1: watched... I didn't back. see Pain and Glory on Redbox.
0: Yeah, it was it was on Redbox. It was mm-hmm. in the back, yeah.
1: Never in a million years did I think you were going to watch this, because this movie's got no chance of getting Best Actor.
0: None! Although, Antonio Banderas is phenomenal in this movie. Okay. Uh, just to give, like, a quick description of it, uh, Antonio Banderas plays a director. Uh, they... Presumably as other movies, but basically there's one big movie he's kind of famous for. Uh, he kind of had an argument uh, with the main actor from it, because the actor was using heroin during the movie, and he thought that influenced the performance. So they kind of are butting heads over it, but they kind of, like, the start of the movie is him, like, making amends for, trying to, like, reconnect it. Uh, and Antonio Berenderos' character suffers from so many chronic pains, uh, he can't like, digest any, like, if he puts anything into his mouth, he starts going into rabid coughing fits, uh, he's kind of become a recluse, uh, all these sorts of things. Goes over to this guy's house, make amends, and immediately, like, sees the guy's about to start doing heroin. He's like, can I get in on that? <laughs> so you're just watching Antonio Bader's kind of slide further down this path. Is he, like, um, super skinny? No, because he just starts doing heroin oh, in that okay. scene. Uh and then you see him through the movie, he's actually now going out to buy heroin because he kind of he eventually loses that guy again because he causes like some argument. Um It's it's a really good performance from him. It's it is like an uplifting kind of movie eventually. Uh he reconnects with like a gay lover of his previously and we have, like, all this is kind of interspliced with scenes of himself as a child, high playing as uh, his mother, where they, like, lived in caves in, like, a remote village in Spain somewhere. Um, I will note, of all the movies I saw, this is the only one with nudity in it, and it is, of course, a Spanish laborer giant uncut cock, so... <laughs> if you were, goodness. If you were curious... Uh, but it, it does, like, kind of have, like, a pretty happy ending. Eventually, he seems to turn his life around. He gets a surgery that fixes some things. They found, like, he had a lump in his throat that was causing all, like, a lot of where his problems were. And now he's presumably going to get started, like, back to being, like, a, an artiste again. Um, it's not an amazing movie by any stretch. Like, this isn't one I'm like, go out of your way to see this one. Uh and I still think that there's a real likelihood the only reason this movie existed was because uh or this movie Oscar so white. Yeah, it was because they were like we got to get someone who's not white in there and they realized Antonio Banderas is just Spanish. Uh but it is a legitimately a very good role for. Him. Can we re
1: probably why Harriet got in there too? Yeah, I mean I'm trying like I don't want to insinuate that's the reason but it almost certainly Sometimes is. Oscar so white's not a bad thing. Many years it is. <laughs> Many years and it is.
0: Often. Very much so. Sometimes it's a mess performances. <laughs> Sometimes they get it right. I Again, mean, I'm not saying her performance is bad. It's not really necessarily her. Work. The whole thing around her. Even the stopped clock
1: is right twice <laughs> a day. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's, that's pain and glory. Okay, oh, I'll, you, I'll probably check it out. It sounds interesting. All right, up for best picture, Parasite. I did see this one. As did I. I saw this
0: one with Terry, actually. So, shout out to Terry.
1: I'll say this is probably it battles back and forth between two and three for me this year. Uh,
0: I like this one a lot. Um, this is, uh, I mean, it's a, a pretty brutal movie. Um, yeah, It's sort of like a dark comedy at the start uh and then slowly over time just morphs into
1: like just a uh almost a you dark, could argue a you know, black like, comedy up until the last 15 minutes
0: yeah i it, there's there's a lot of silliness to it at the start uh but yeah it's it's an entire movie that has to deal with class struggle uh this you know very poor uh korean family uh con artists yeah con not even they're not even really con artists no, they, they are well they they become them in the process it, like the start of it, they're just all very poor and they kind of know, like, that there's no jobs in this economy. They, they start their, their, like, we see the movie opening, they fold pizza boxes for a company. Like, that's what they seemingly are doing to try to get by. Um, one of them gets offered an opportunity to become a tutor for a rich family. And through that, he kind of starts helping open the way for the rest of his family to get jobs in this place. Usually at the cost of Costing one other person their job. Yes. And that becomes the parasite. They they are now leeching onto this family. A host. Mm-hmm. Um but as we very quickly start to see that's not really the parasite the movie is referring to. Uh the parasite's the rich family. Just feeding on the lower class. Turning us against each other. Really?
1: that's your Yeah.
0: It's because huh. that's the whole thing. When you eventually when you see like the the lower class. Like the big thing is when you see that there's a separate lower class. Like it's a big thing that with the the I don't forget what the name of the family is. The Kim family, I think maybe Park or something. Um, it's one of those it's, two. It's fifty percent it's, chance. It's either it's, Kim or Park. Well, it's the main. It's not the rich family. The uh, the oh, the okay. family we yeah. follow. They live in a sub basement, which is half above ground, half not. A big thing in the movie is they find within the the Park family, which is the rich family. They have someone living in the basement. Mm -hmm. And when they see this happening, the people are pleading with the, the, again, I'll just, I'll call them Kim family and lack of knowing what their real names is at this point. They're like, Hey, please help us. Sis, come on, help us. And she's like, Oh no, I don't want to get involved. I'm going to call the police and get you guys out of here. And then very quickly, like once the tables are turned, they're like, Oh shit, uh, you're like, now I have something over on you. Like, oh, please don't now. And then they they immediately, they're turning against each other because they both want this spot that can only exist in this family that's so unconscionably rich that they don't seem to, like, care about anything else. Like, all this is happening while this rich family is completely ignorant to the fact that these struggles are happening around them. They don't care. Like... But they're not bad. Oh, no. not Not necessarily, like, intrinsically bad, but like it's definitely intentional that when the park family gets home they're busy thinking about like oh well it rained so we couldn't even go out and this party for our kids son- or you know our kids birthday party so we'll just host a big party next day meanwhile the kim family goes home and their toilets erupting with sewage uh, and flooding like, out their
1: basement this is my funniest of any movie is them coming First of all, it set up such a beautiful scene where it just it's just raining in these like slums of somewhere in South Korea, and it's almost noir, just like the the light, the lighting, and the way the like rain kind of cascades down the steps, and it it just turns from this like beautiful almost Casablanca scene to immediately some guy like the sewage system backed up, <laughs> and it's just them wallowing through like waist high poop water, and the funniest scene is them opening. The bathroom and the toilet is just like opera singing out
0: black diarrhea, <laughs> almost, almost like uh, the toilet from like, look who's talking now, where like, they put yeah. a string on it, like to make it look like it's talking. Like, I'm just dominating out poop
1: now, <laughs> and it's black. Why is it black? <laughs> that much poop mixed together, I guess. All right, so my theory: they're a family of con artists. They didn't. They were never. You know, the pizza box thing was just something to try and make money. But it's, I mean, they're clearly experienced. It, to me, it was a story of people that were probably smart enough that they could have just made money legitimately, but they didn't want that, and they'd rather be con artists. Like, almost like, you know, like the stereotypical gypsy family. Because as soon as they get in that house, it's immediately a plot to get each and every other one of them in there and get rid of who's currently there. That doesn't seem like, do you think there are people that, like, fell into misfortune? I mean, they, they kind of insinuate that. I don't know how realistic it is I don't for know. The is, is the rock Southbury? getting to them and then all of a sudden they got pestilence sprayed too? I was like, is that supposed to be like they, they become infected and well, they, they become they, these kind of evil no, people? No,
0: I, I think they just, they were in a rough position. They talk about how like you can have a, like a security guard job has 500 people with degrees applying for Like they're like, it's so hard to get like a functional job in there and. I think the truest like sentiment to this movie is the fake ending where the dad's down in the basement and the son's writing him a letter how he's like, I'm going to buy you that house. I'm going to buy that house. Mom's going to be out in the lawn. Yeah. We're going to be in the sun. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you come out and I'm going to hug you. And then it cuts away and it's him back in that sub-basement. And the director said, he's like, that's the kill shot. It's because everybody watching that scene would know There's no way that kid's ever gonna be able to buy that
1: house. That kid should be fucking dead. That kid should be dead. (laughs) That is the, that's the one real big knock I have on that movie is that the kids, that kid survived. He got hit in the head with a rock, was like bleeding profusely out of the back of his head, like a giant pool of dark red blood builds up behind his head on the floor, and then the guy still drops the rock on top of his head on his way out.
0: Yeah. Oh, and that guy's terrifying. The scene where they call him a ghost, is so unnerving yeah. where you just see his head poke up. Oh, it's horrifying. Yeah.
1: I thought it's definitely the most interesting, a uh, captivating movie, honestly. Like yeah. it never lost my attention. It was always kind of interesting. What do you think their plan was? Cause I thought that like, these were a group of experienced con artists, a family of them, and that they've got like a, plan to somehow get into, like, this family savings account and get all the money. I thought- Except the first time they get the house to themselves, they just have, like, basically a big drunken fest. Like, maybe they don't have a plan.
0: Before I... Because I did not know this director beforehand. I guess this is what he kind of does. He makes a lot of movies about different class struggles. Uh, before I knew, like, kind of what he did, I thought as I was watching the movie, I was like, oh, they take over the family one by one, and then they're going to, like, the, the helper positions of the family. And I was like, then they'll just take over the family. Like, I don't know how they'll do it. Uh, mm. This is kind of a weird movie at this point, so I thought... Maybe He's just
1: going to show up at work, like, hey, it's me, everybody. But yeah, I was like, but it's okay. Maybe, so maybe he works so with a bunch of white people that are going to be like... I don't think that's Todd, but I don't want to say anything. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to look
0: racist. He <laughs> works with nothing but white people, and they like...
1: Was Todd always 6'2"? I
0: don't think that. But I don't want to insinuate he wasn't. I don't want to look like I'm negligent in thinking.
1: Did Todd always walk into the wrong office four times in a row before he found his <laughs> own?
0: Uh... But I, I think, I think their plan was that it was just going to be a way for them to make money. I, I don't know if they had like a long term. I think the kid had an idea, a hope that he was like, uh, "I'll marry this girl and I'll become one of these people." Then, like, I'll be, I'll reach the top
1: because I'll have married into money. That's him definitely. But the whole family, all of them, are perfect at those positions. As soon as they start, as far as like talking their way into it, well, you could tell a lot of it's improv. Like how the one daughter said she all she did want was look up online art therapy
0: and she winged it from there. I didn't how, know that. No. And how you see the mother when she's like asked to do things, she's looking up YouTube tutorials. Yeah, to like figure out how to do it. So they don't actually know everything that they're doing. They're just, and then but, we see that they're rehearsing everything. But they
1: know to look it up, and they yeah. know like they know to rehearse. So this everything isn't their first rodeo, definitely.
0: Or it's just showing that, like, that's how devoted they have to be if they... Like, that's how focused they
1: are on, like, trying to use this as their opportunity. That we're just going to immediately fuck three people out of a job.
0: Well, they comment on that later when they're... The dad
1: comments. None of the rest of the family seems bothered at it... About it at all. That's
0: where they kind of start to... Well, I mean, he's also one of the two people that ended up doing it. I mean, there wasn't an art tutor... Or another two, like the other two, to left. The mom could
1: not have given less of a but shit. But that's
0: what I mean. Like it, it was meant to kind of show that, like, there is a commentary there, and then it does happen when the the, the old housekeeper comes back and they have that. And I don't get the impression from the basement. sister
1: she would have cared either if she had actually eliminated somebody.
0: Uh probably not. But she also was the smartest one, so I think that was her kind of just taking her opportunity. They mentioned that they were like, "Wow, if this you know, if Harvard gave degrees for fucking forgery, you'd be on there." And she's. Mm-hmm. She's the one who feels the most natural in that house. They comment on a couple times as well.
1: Okay, so but we're agreed they are con artists going into it or do you think it's I don't it's... think
0: I mean because I think te- it, I think it changes the by, entire perspective by, of the movie. By technical definition what they're doing is con artists, but again, I I don't think that what the movie's trying to say is that they're the parasite on this rich family. I think the 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 other meaning is the the rich are a parasite.
1: Oh, I mean, it certainly could be that if you were... That might be like an undertone message. If you were trying to push that further, you could have made that family a lot worse. But I think that's
0: what they're trying to say. They they mention it in the movie where they say, Oh, they're they're a nice family. They're like, they're nice because they're rich. They have the ability to kind of be this carefree and happy because they don't have to worry about anything. Okay,
1: so do you... Would you say you viewed what happened to the poor family as... Karma or a sad, unfortunate kind of end to them? It's a sad, unfortunate end. I mean, they
0: they do deserve, they were doing crimes, but at the same time, I mean, it's just like an awful thing where, like, this was a family, like, I don't think they were intrinsically doing it to hurt people. They were like, this is our way to make money. We don't have to live in that sub-basement anymore, having, like, pesticides sprayed into our house with our toilet that's erupting anymore. Like, we don't have anything now. We can make some money at this house. She smokes a
1: cigarette on that toilet. That's <laughs> maybe
0: the most cathartic moment where she's like, she just sits on the toilet. So it just stops erupting poop. And she just like. But <laughs> it's the rooms already.
1: It's where, I guess that, I don't know if that's a South Korean thing where the toilets up on like top. Of, a, ha- a
0: half basement it would have to be, I guess. Yes.
1: So she's sitting up there. But she's still like five feet off the ground, and she's still up to her ankles in black <laughs> diarrhea. And it's like time to smoke a cigarette. And the t- it's not like she's put a permanent seal on this toilet. It's still a ca- she's no. like a hundred pounds. It's still occasionally rocking her body up yeah. while more black diarrhea. But you've never had that flies moment. onto her cigarette, even. She's like. But you've never had that moment where you're like, my life has
0: crumbled around me in more of a way than I could possibly imagine. I'm just gonna smoke this cigarette and try to
1: alleviate the number of poop, <laughs> the amount
0: of poop I'm gonna be swimming in.
1: Try. Look, the key I'm word. not smelling good for days, and that <laughs> ship has sailed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watched it with Joe, and at first it bothered me, and then I kind of, uh, yeah, I can figure out. What were your thoughts when the poor dad kills the rich dad? After everything, like after everything's been settled, the crazy basement guy's dead the mom skewers in her most impressive oh, when he scene oh he does yeah. oh I loved it I was I was cheering for him when he kills the
0: dad really yeah fuck that guy
1: man the moment that do their- you and I have different social classes despite the fact we live in the same house
0: <laughs> it um, certainly feels like the moment that guy
1: am I the proletariat in this uh, <laughs> Christopher's <Yeah>. bourgeois. Bush- <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't was
0: the Bush Christopher's, Christopher's Christopher was, the the was the fancy
1: one wasn't it and so was the proletariat the, you're the Bolsheviks
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah god damn it me and the bolshees. No, I'm just Zara Nicholas strutting my that mustache. Go- that the moment the dad goes for the keys and he pushes the guy's body, and then he has to still take the moment to be like, ugh, the stink of poverty as he moves aside after all the degrading things he's been having his family do. He doesn't know that that guy just watched his kids die. No, and he doesn't care. And like, and that's why I'm like, I'm okay with it. Because the dad's put up with so much of that shit. He was being forced to do like a pretty insensitive like Indian fucking routine. And, it's like, not insensitive to great- them. I think it's still pretty obvious the South Korea.
1: Mentioned. They had to explain sh- it in the movie. They he probably
0: did. have some idea of it, though. No, leave that out. You're you're crazy. Well, I, no, I was completely. I was cheering when it happened. I don't remember if Terry Terry might be there to like validate, but no, it's very satisfying when the the rich dad gets it. It's just symbolically,
1: because he's not that bad a guy. Again, I th- Yeah, he's upset when his son fucking passes out and he wants to get him in the hospital. Again, I think a large part of the movie is kind of showing the
0: only reason why he's as nice as he is is because he's as rich as he is. And I don't think he actually really... Like, he keeps talking about, like, I like this person. They don't cross the line. Like, it's very clear there's a line where he's like, I don't want you to overstep your bounds that you are
1: a servant to me. But the dad does overstep his bounds. And he tells him to stop every time. The- well, he should. The dad always goes one question too far. Like, oh, so you really love your wife, really? And it's like, dude, shut the fuck but up. But it's, it, it's you're like, my chauffeur stop. driver that I've had for two days.
0: Yeah, but he always says in this degrean, like, don't overstep the bounds, as though there's you're nothing more to me than just the sir. Because the guy
1: and. I've never had servants as an adult. I want to lay that out. were as a kid, but I didn't hire them.
0: <laughs> like I'm gonna walk into your room. I'm like, where? Where did the second floor come in? This is a chandelier. In here. What are you doing down there? <laughs> Champagne fountain.
1: My cat in nine tails. Get out of here.
0: <laughs> <laughs> what the heat works in this? Let me see your house. income taxes.
1: I'm actually like roasting. I'm like, take off more clothes.
0: <laughs> and you're like your velvet robe. <laughs>
1: The Dad did always get the poor dad he always did go too far, like as far as questions like just roll with it, and you're getting paid money i don't I don't think there's anything wrong with like if I'm paying you to do a service for me and you it feels like your questions become a little too intrusive, I don't think there's anything wrong with politely saying like that's a little much,
0: yeah, but again, they're always insisting upon these people,
1: like, and the dad doesn't know about the smell thing he doesn't know that. While I was banging my very hot wife, while I was banging my wife in the living room, that you were under the couch at the time, and I was talking about how bad you smelled. Like he doesn't know he knows that,
0: but he vocally will say it.
1: Like it. Does, like we're. Well, if the guy smelled outside. and you were talking to your wife, your partner in life, you don't think he'd mention. You don't like, think, eh, my driver smells a little funny. You don't think that when you
0: watch your daughter die in front it's of you, it's crazy.
1: This is becoming the most. <laughs> 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 Just wait till Joker. uh,
0: when you you see your daughter die in front of you, and you're like begging for help, and the guy's like, "No, I don't care. I got to get my kid to the hospital." Oh, I get it. That I get it. I like, get him killing. Like, him. like
1: that's the big thing. That's what like drives him. Up. I can understand why he hates him too. I get him doing it. I don't know about like standing up and cheering. for
0: I mean, it, it wasn't like I didn't take my shirt off. Like, <laughs> I'm, gonna her, I'm gonna text Terry.
1: I'm gonna text Terry and check with her. Like, oh, that shirt was gone. Joel, I need to. Help he you actually elaborate like, a story. Ripped it in, <laughs> in half like a Chippendales dancer. <laughs>
0: Sorry, Iron Maiden. It just exploded. I'll get another one later.
1: <laughs> Sorry, six mi- seconds till midnight. <laughs> six seconds. That's so much shorter. Oh, it's two. <laughs> yeah. Two minutes to midnight. Two minutes to
0: midnight. Two, two minutes to midnight. And we bonded together of Iron Maiden. All I w- right. Uh, it, Let's move weird. on to the next one. I was going
1: to end it with the joke of uh, men. Iron- <laughs> the Irishman felt as long as... Is it Rise of Nomara? What's that song called? The the like oh, Rise of the
0: Ancient Mariner. Yeah, yeah, it's a long ass song.
1: Uh,
0: next up, talk about Jojo Rabbit, nominated for Best Picture. Did not see. I
1: did see this one. Oh man. Man. (laughs) All right. Uh, Jojo. This means I got to make my picks (laughs) really solid, (laughs) because for once, I might not win just saw the most (laughs) movies. Although, in fairness. How often did I still lose those? I was going
0: to say, I think two years running, I've seen and still losing it. (laughs) Um, So, Jojo Rabbit's Taika Waititi's Waititi's movie. Um, This is, it's an odd movie. Uh, You saw Thor Ragnarok. I don't know if you've seen anything else Taika Waititi's done. No. Outside of that. I don't think I have either. uh, At least not knowingly. Uh, But Thor Ragnarok kind of gave you an idea. He didn't do We
1: Were Kings, right?
0: No, he did what we... What the Shadows Do, or something like that. Um, It's a very, like, silly movie uh, for large parts of it. I'm actually kind of sad you didn't watch it, because there's a couple moments that I know you're going to love in it that I now can't talk about, because I hope you do see it at some point.
1: It was in limited theaters around here, and it's not available streaming anywhere, so.
0: Um, But Sam Rockwell's great in it. Um, when you do get to watch it, keep in mind that I'm fairly certain Theon Greyjoy also plays his quietly gay lover. It's not brought up explicitly, but they do enough together that I'm kind of suspect. Okay. Um, but it's... it's, It almost
1: looked like a Wes Anderson movie. (laughs)
0: Um, certain parts. Uh, it's, it it is like a, it's partially a comedy. I mean, the very basic premise is JoJo is like a young kid who's fanatic about Nazism. Uh, kind of Hitler youth. Uh has like imagines Hitler as his best friend played by Ta. ta- Pre World War uh, Two. No, this is tail end of World War Two. Oh man. Uh not to, to the, like again spoil A like, bad day to be not, in Germany. Yeah, not to spoil much, but it's it's a big part of the movie is that Germany is currently losing the war. So um he doesn't. He he's oh, not. Oh, that sucks! I know
1: exactly what happens. Yeah, he's not brave enough. By the end, kids were defending Berlin.
0: Uh, yeah. So we're not <laughs> going to get into that part. Um,
1: oh my god! But
0: uh, oh, that's so sad. Yeah, there is a, te- there is a 10 year old kid, Gorky, who's like his best friend who you see in the war. <laughs> so, oh. uh, but Jojo himself is not, he, he's too cowardly. He doesn't pass being like in, like instated in the Hitler youth. So he's living at home with his mother, Scarlett Johansson. And during that, he kind of discovers that Scarlett Johansson is sheltering this, this, I, I want to say she's maybe like 17 year old Jewish girl. They don't really clarify her age, but she's still, I guess, young enough that she doesn't consider herself a full adult yet. Um, and the story kind of becomes, it starts off very and tense. And her cans fall out. No, uh, it's very tense between them. It is no. not a movie where, like, she's the quiet young girl in the cavern. She, like, in the first no. appearance, she's like, I'll kill you if you tell anyone I'm here.
1: Okay. Like, so it's not like Boy in the Striped Pajamas?
0: No. Like, they actually give her a real character. I mean, eventually the story is about them kind of making way, like, making a like a, a real relationship with one another. And, uh, don't be distracted by Steven Merchant being on the poster because he's in one scene. One great scene, by the way. He looks good, man. Yeah. But he's, I don't know why they put him, they felt the need to put him on the poster. He's not like, Sam Rockwell shows up throughout the movie. He's in one scene and then hmm. like a cameo later on. Uh but it's it's a funny movie. Any scene where it's the Taika as Hitler is hilarious. Uh, Sam Rockwell plays... Maybe somehow overdoes... Or, like, oh like outdos, uh, outdoes his uh, role of, like, a complete shithead that you somehow still come to love from Three Billboards. Where he's, like, a Nazi general who just keeps failing downwards. But he's still so endearing that you're like, Ah, I fucking love this guy. Uh, and has, like, a moment that's still, like, maybe... Honestly, there's two moments in this movie that may win it out for me of the saddest moments of of all the movies we're talking about this year. Uh, There's some pretty heartbreaking moments, uh, so be prepared to uh, have some feelings towards the end of it. But it's a pretty funny movie. It's a pretty weird movie. It definitely has that kind of uh, angle to it. Uh, I will say that I don't think it's going to win Best Picture. Um, And... Scarlett Johansson, if she wins Best Actress, I wouldn't be upset. I don't think this is her best performance, though. If only she's so charismatic, the stuff she does is great. Uh, her German accent is very put on, though.
1: I think it's going to be a consolation prize for not getting Best Actress.
0: Yes, it might be. Um, but I still really enjoy it. It's a fun movie. It's Though, again, it's, it's a weird movie. So you have to kind of know what kind of tone you're going in for, because it's... It's funny, and then it's not for a very long time, and then it gets a little funny again.
1: (laughs) Uh, It was a movie I was bummed I did not get to see, because I did want to watch it. Mm. Which, once again, I think speaks to the the quality of the films that I nominated this year. Like, I'm a douche, I'm saying films (laughs) now. All right, up for best picture, Ford v. Ferrari. I did see this one. I did not see Ford v. Ferrari. Oh, dear. Oh,
0: dear. Um, I'll keep this one really quick, too, then, uh, Ford v. Ferrari, super good. Um, but... Really? It's not as good as Rush. I think Rush was a far superior one. The story in it is mind-boggling. I think you were telling me Joe told you about this.
1: I'd, I have a, a number of friends that are what I call car nerds, <laughs> meaning that they can <laughs> they change their own to, oil. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like they know how to, like, check their oil level that
1: they need to. Anyone, uh, kind of in that sphere. But, um, I knew four or five of them that were all so enthusiastic about this movie. Like guys who were practically like jerking off during the trailers and like telling me like, you don't even like when I'm talking about world war one and they're like, you don't even know this was a huge story. And I was like, mm-hmm. and uh, I think of the five, three didn't see it when it came into theaters based on reviews. And the two that saw it were both like, it's fine.
0: It's it's, it is. I think fine. here's the thing. If you were into it for the story, you're definitely going to be bummed at some of the things that changes. Um, One of the big things is that to kind of, because this is probably the most family film of all the movies we're talking about. Hmm. Okay. They kind of almost orchestrate scenes that are meant to be like, Oh, if you're watching this with your family, here's where they'll have fun. Like there's a whole scene where, uh, Bale and Damon have like a fight with groceries and it's like, this is a very silly thing. Like this doesn't really fit with a lot of like kind of the seriousness of what you're trying to get across with the movie, but that's where if you're like, oh well, I'm a dad, I had to bring my kids to this movie, they'll love that part of it. Okay. Um,
1: and I think to There's help. Here's a mighty duck scene. Yeah, and okay. I think
0: to help make the movie easier for those people who don't care about it, they they really have to vilify a member of Ford to make him the antagonist, because Ford does some pretty sketchy things in the movie. Um, and apparently the guy that they vilified was a real person who was not nearly, like, who did it's some not action. It's that Lee Iacocca, is it? Uh, no. That's who, um, uh, John Barenthal plays. Oh, okay. Who does not show up much in the movie after like, we,
1: That'd be crazy. Like, we made Lee Iacocca into Hitler. You're like, no. he's a legendary figure in the automotive business. But
0: apparently the guy who did, like, actually spent time rehabilitating villages and things like that during his time with Ford, like. Put in some actual like real humanitarian. Oh, efforts. so it's like Harriet.
1: You threw this villain in that you didn't need, or?
0: but he's a real person. So they just made him like a like so a it's worse than sneezy Harriet. sneezy, kind of conniving member who's like trying to undercut him. Like large parts of what happened, like what they what he does, did happen apparently, but they all pin it as like it's this guy's machination so he can get ahead, which I guess really wasn't his thing. Hmm. But the story is otherworldly when you're like, it's crazy that that Ford tried to make this deal to buy out Ferrari and Ferrari basically used them so that they could get bought out by a better company for a better deal locally. And Ford, they kind of used that as justification to go into like building the fastest car, trying to attempt to get into Le Mans, uh, the, me- like the insane measures that had to be going into like getting the guy who's going to be capable of driving this car. Uh, Christian Bale plays someone with a, Like it's weird. He's British, but like Cockney British almost, which is a bit strange. Uh, But he's such a charming figure because Mm -hmm. he just kind of has this brash attitude. Um, And actually, the like the Le Mans race itself is so well done, and then the ending is both exciting and heartbreaking. Uh, Like I don't know if you want me to spoil. How
1: much of the race is CGI?
0: Uh, if there's a lot of it that's CGI, you really can't tell. Really, It really, there's, I was kind of middling on this movie for a while until they get to a scene in Daytona. And the Daytona scene completely 100% sold me on it. Uh, it was so, it was like immediately, like the music kicked in really well. Uh, you, you get pulled into the moment. Matt Damon has this big moment where he kind of says, fuck everybody else. I'm going to go against Ford's wishes to like, kind of unshackle my driver and let him do the best of his ability control.
1: And none of us are, are racing fans. No,
0: not at all. Um again I will stress I think Rush is the better movie of the two of these by far.
1: I did like Rush um, quite a bit.
0: But this one I think is still really good. Uh I, I started with it higher on my list and eventually dropped it down once I kinda reconsidered. I was like, eh I liked it. A lot. Where is it now? Uh it's still in the upper half. Uh I'll talk about it towards the end here when we okay. like I guess actually reveal them all. But um
1: All right, and I I didn't like missing any of the movies I did, and I I definitely did want to see that one, too. Like,
0: this one, to put it on my list... I actually
1: saw Little Women because... Instead
0: of Ford and Ferrari. Yeah,
1: I went for, let's say Ford and Ferrari had a 2 p.m. start time. If you go to the fucking movies this day, it's 10 minutes of commercial and, like, TV shows that are coming out, and then another 10 minutes of trailers. So the movie started at 2. I showed up at, like, 2.15... No, I showed up at 2.20, which is already a little bit later than I wanted to show up, but I felt like I was going to be fine. And there was a huge line and Mm -hmm. one cashier. So by the time I actually got my ticket, it was like 2.35 for a movie that started at 2. And I was I actually didn't buy that ticket. It was already 2.35 when I went to buy the ticket. And I was like, 35 minutes, that's really fucking late for a movie. So I went to Little Woman. Uh, but I did want to see v Ferrari. Uh, pro
0: tip, in case you're ever doing that again, the center console there, you can buy tickets there. And you can skip the line entirely and most people don't go up to that. And it's the same price.
1: Wow. After you did this, like, fucking Bolshevik argument for Parasite, and you're just screwing over the ticket, uh, the person that sells the tickets, you're like, you're just that dickhead going to a I use U-scan, robbing cashiers of jobs. It's not a
0: use, it's not a trick. Like, it's just, it's there. People
1: just don't use it yeah, for Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, and you deny the person there that needs a job. Okay.
0: I mean, they move them all to cash, uh, concessions anyway.
1: Yeah, and no that one gets,
0: theaters, no one gets fired in it, that situation. Infamously under, uh, staffed anyway. All right.
1: You're a monster. I, I work, can't
0: believe this. I worked there for a year. I don't Christopher know why. in his Try, fan, in trying his... to come at me, bourgeoisie Mikey, uncle Pe- Uncle Mikey bags, <laughs> busy being like what? A,
1: what? A, what? A, what a, <laughs> for the record, Christopher had servants as a kid too, <laughs> including a maid that he would sneak into her room, her private room that she had away from the family, and sit there watch her TV and poop himself.
0: <laughs> well. Uh, much like the marriage story, my parents were getting divorced, I didn't understand what to do, and I reached out for sympathy from wherever I could find it. And ran to the poor maid, that (laughs) slept in a
1: shack, and pooped in her room.
0: (laughs) Well, if it helps, I've eaten ramen for dinner three times this week, so I
1: guess the table's turned on me now, huh, ma'am? Uh. Alright, up for best picture, 1917.
0: Saw it, loved it. Loved it. Uh. I will go out now. This is my favorite movie of all the ones. Um, This is... uh, Don't don't put it back in the pile. (laughs) Uh, This is... uh, An otherworldly movie. It it is so astounding. Everything that makes me kind of go meh on Harriet, this movie is the epitome of how it's done right. Um, There's sort of a gimmick to it to make it look like it's all done in one shot, which I thought was kind of a weird gimmick at first. It kind of helped to, like... Make the trenches feel more. It's not like bad. Cluster. You know it. You know it's not as yeah, you're watching it. Yeah, you can, it, you can so tell.
1: Like especially once you start caring. It's not like a stunt thing, you know. Um, so.
0: But there's so many moments in the movie that are visually astounding, and because you're spending this whole movie focusing on just these two guys on this journey, you start to become kind of intimately aware of them, and it's it's all framed within World War One. So it's like the first. 10 minutes of the movie is these two guys trying to just cross no man's land and the, the the very start of it one guy puts his hand on like barbed wire cuts it open then they fall down a hole and he like gets his hand stuck in like mm-hmm. a, like a rotted corpse's like waterlogged belly and you're just like oh my god like that's how the movie's starting it's like on this level
1: and the you first just, 15 minutes yeah
0: yeah you're just following along with it um and I There's, it's just incredible the scope of what this movie's doing on a technical level. The the cinematography is astounding. There's there's two scenes. I won't talk about one right now just because it's it's a late end. But the scene after the tower where he comes upon the German town, like lit in uh, or the ruined town lit in nothing but flare lights. Oh, he's like
1: after he's wounded. Yeah. Yeah,
0: I've. I read fantasy novels, I watch fantasy movies, I've, you know, read fantasy comic books and manga, things like that. Uh, none of them have ever captured, uh, a visual as, like, ethereal and haunting and beautiful and terrifying as that, like, that visual you see. Well, especially down. from
1: his perspective, because yeah. he's, like, basically half zonked out. And it's just, it's so,
0: it's, it's the the way it plays with all the light and shadows and creates this new visage, like, I, I, I talked with one of my friends online about how the movie kind of feels a little bit like you're playing, like watching a video game being played, because there'll be these big giant action set pieces, and then it'll stop, and then you'll watch the character kind of transition from one visually different locale to another one, like, now exiting German trench mines, now mm-hmm. entering orchard fields, uh, But all that just goes to show, like, this incredible range the movie has with its visuals, with its use of colors and cinematography, and just creating these different scenes. And because it's all portrayed with this one shot, you're kind of getting a chance to breathe when they do. And it really, like, it it just sucks you in. Like, this is how a movie, like, this is how you make something like this
1: so engaging. I hated it. (laughs) Didn't see it, but, uh, uh, no, I would agree. It's, um, it's, it's up there for my favorite. It's jockeying in that position. Uh, yeah, technically beautiful. Um, I like the fact that outside of him, like passing out after he gets hit with, and I didn't, I had to look it up. It was a ricochet shot, Mm -hmm. I guess from the, the German sniper. He was killing shot. The wall, like missed him and shot yeah, the wall. And I think so. I thought he hit the helmet, and it, but it just went in enough to knock Stop him out. It. But outside of that, it's almost real time, and it's such an interesting one of the reasons World War One hasn't been anywhere near like the movie setting blockbuster that like World War Two or even Vietnam has been, is because trench warfare was such a, like a stationary thing where you just sat in an area for a long period of time. So it was hard to make that kind of interesting or exciting. And, you know, I know Wonder Woman's got the highest gross. (laughs) Even though there's... Technically, I guess. And there's trenches in it for 30 seconds. (laughs) And, uh, you know... That bad guy made of planes at the end, I believe. Even in this movie, and it's one of the things like history nerds have been kind of knocking it on, is it's only like the first 30 minutes are in any kind of trench kind of thing, which isn't... But and it's not based on any
0: historical event, right? Like, this it's wasn't a real something
1: mission. Sam Mendes is saying his grandfather told him. Okay. But there's no corresponding historical thing, which you think would we- yeah. be weird. Like, it
0: sounds like it'd be a pretty huge story. I mean... 1,500 people didn't get killed. But it, like, I guess at the same time, they might have just been killed the next day anyway if they tried to do it again. I don't know. But, yeah.
1: It's, uh... But, yeah, it is beautifully shot from start to finish. I love the fact that it feels like real time. And yeah you're right. You think Schofield is the guy that's going to die. Yeah. Cuz as soon as the cut on the hand, the
0: other guy is the 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 brother they're trying to find, you're like, yeah, he's going to find. That's that's how movies are
1: made. 1920s fat guy, Yeah, you know. Like he's going to be the one that has to make it through and he's going to be the Sam to this guy's Frodo yeah. and carry him there and then. And you know well, what? He didn't die but still. <laughs> And if you look at the cast, you would say it was another one of those, like, World War Two movies that has too many stars in it, which are, like, Colin Firth, Mark Strong, Benedict Cumberbatch, or, like, eh, I don't... It's going to take me out of the scene, seeing, like, all these celebrities. But their combined screen time's, like... 30 seconds, yeah. 40 seconds, something like that. And some of it's amazing. I love the guy that plays Moriarty in Sherlock as, like, the first guy. Yeah. It's... They walk... A minute from high command where Colin Firth is and tells him, you're going to meet, uh, whatever, Sergeant Smith. And they walk for 30 seconds, make it over to where Sergeant Smith's hut is. And the, and the guy that plays, uh, Moriarty gets up like, Sergeant Smith's dead. He died last night. <laughs> uh, and you're like, that didn't make it <laughs> back.
0: It's such a difference. Like you go from over there, everyone's relaxing. And then you go to this side and they're pulling corpses off like barbed yeah. wire.
1: And, uh, and that guy's perfect too. The, yeah. the Moriarty guy's great. Like, they're just anointing. And this flare gun, which I think is hilarious, that, like, the flare gun he knows he's never gonna get back.
0: Yeah. Um this, it, it, it's such a well done, like, the moment he's crossing that bridge, that's, like, submerged, and the first sniper shot rings out. I don't know about you, that was the moment I was like, holy shit. Cause the movie's just been so kinda quiet, watching yeah. these characters try to go across, for the most part. And then the moment, you're like, oh, my God, he's being fired at.
1: Dude, the movie puts you on nerve immediately with the uh, the rat kind of trap. Yeah. As soon as you hit that, you're like, okay, yeah, I'm going to have to keep gonna it up. Anything's going to
0: fucking happen. Like, I'm not going to, they're not going to, like, wait for me. In no. Um, normally, when you'd get these sort of scenes in movies where he actually finally finds the, the troop, and there's like they're all kind of gathered around a song, normally I'd be like, this is kind of queefy. I don't really want to see her for us. I was relieved because I was kind of like Scofield. We're like, I'm just going to sit here and kind of enjoy this for a moment. Because you think
1: maybe he's fucked this. Obviously, you know, like he, you know, the movie wouldn't probably exist if he screwed it up. I mean, he doesn't get there. He
0: doesn't completely succeed. No.
1: He doesn't make it before the attack. Which is perfect. Yeah. Like, you, he probably, some people probably did die because he didn't get there a little bit earlier. Uh, They
0: said the first wave went over.
1: So. And they even set it up. What did you think of Mark Strong warning him about Ben and Cumberbatch's character? Like, make sure there are witnesses around. Yeah. Oh, I, I like that. Because uh, this guy might just fucking do it anyway.
0: There's there's so many. Uh, just the moment where he's in the city and he sees a figure coming at him and he doesn't know what to do because he doesn't know who it is yet. He's like, I can't shoot them because it's an enemy. But I can't like call their attention because Zemi and once they start firing he just has to fucking book it um just the the other scene I wanted to talk about is right towards the end and it's the scene that's kind of like brought up now uh it's the one that kind of people show a lot because it's sort of the the iconic scene in the movie where he's going through these trenches he's trying to get to the command and like command's three hundred yards that way, but you're gonna have to wait till this bombardment stops and he's like I can't do that. And as I was watching the movie, like, in the movie in the theater, I actually, like gasped. I was like, holy shit. Because re- you realize... It was in the trailer. Yeah, yeah, he's going... It's happen. I was like, this is when he's going to fucking run through while it happens. And, of course, it's talked about how, like, he in the moment he runs into people, he's just charging down this line through people, bombs are going off, he's running into people, wasn't intentional, but they kept it in, cause it, it does make it feel that much oh, yeah. more real, where he's just running into people, can't stop, just fucking going, and it's such a great moment. Visually, uh, just the way it's filmed, how much work had to be put into it, it's fantastic. It's, it's why I brought this guy, uh, the guy, actor who played Schofield up when I mentioned the people not nominated for best actor, cause he does put on a fucking great performance.
1: Yeah, I get it. it was just too thick of a field, and yeah, that, that's, guy, that's what that guy's that guy's gonna get work off this absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, he is amazing in the movie, and it's uh, it's one of the best endings. Um, the way it ends in a perfect book shot, like a book end to- mm. uh Was that? Am I right? Was that Rob Stark playing the brother? Yeah, I believe that was, and he, he's perfect in that yeah. scene. He does exactly what you need him to do, like. Oh, what's, what's the fact? Oh, I, can't wait, I can't wait to see my brother. I
0: can't wait to see my brother.
1: It's perfect. And then just like watching
0: the guy not saying things like, oh. Oh, I see.
1: Well, like, why? Oh, that's such a beautiful scene. And, and even still being to... courteous to him. And still, like, get yourself some
0: uh, medical food or medical attention. Get yourself some food. Like, he's yeah. not like, just, he's not like, I gotta go. Like,
1: he holds it together long enough to, like, clear No, in the second interaction, he's about, uh, Schofield's about to walk away. And he turns around and it's like. Is it okay if I, if I write your mother and then actually like introduce, or does Rob ask him like, what's your name? Like they finally called, yeah. my name's Will. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Uh And another scene that's great, it's the only real like kind of weird CGI in the movie is Benedict Cumberbatch's scar.
0: Yeah. It's a little goofy. Uh, ben to Cumberbatch kind of feels like he has a little bit too much presence as an actor to completely fade away.
1: In For a-, a second, they put a Bond villain in, which you didn't need. But still I still love him just like, you know what? They told us to retreat today and we'll fucking have to march out tomorrow. All right, go fuck off. <laughs> like some of those scenes are so great. It's my it's maybe Mark Strong's most like comforting character, honestly. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's great. Uh If you, if I, and the caravan ri- riding down yeah. with those guys is me, and, and the him one scree- Indian
0: dude, Sim screaming like, "Come on!" No, and everyone start at that moment realized because they've all kind of been like, "Why is this guy so quiet?" And in that moment, they kind of all realize like, this dude is really devoted to this mission. Like, and
1: every time he goes, every time he explains it to anyone the like, I'm here to tell them to stop an attack, and everyone goes like. Pfft. Why? Yeah. Because <laughs> it's a trap. And Cause... everyone immediately goes like, oh, God, that's terrifying. <laughs> it's a trap. And it was a trap. Like, the Germans were losing. And they set back to, like, a series of trenches they had that they built basically at the start of the war and were, like, so heavily fortified that they thought. And what one of the weird things I didn't realize until someone mentioned it to me, the date the movie set is the same day America entered the war. Huh. But I guess maybe guys on the front line wouldn't know that. Yeah. But Germany had been sort of preparing for that and they're like, that's going to switch the whole dynamic. So you know what? Why don't we switch back to like these juggernaut fortresses that we already have set up here and hopefully we'll lure as many like British dupes in as many like Benedict Cumberbatch, like let's stiff up a lip boys. We're on yes. our way uh-huh. and kill them. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's really like, it's, it's, I'm a little sad to recommend it because I think the best way to see this movie is in theaters. I would agree. It's the sound plays such a huge part, seen on a big screen, such a part. Like, I don't want to be like a Martin Scorsese here, but I'm like, you're doing yourself a disservice watching
1: this What was the audience when you saw it?
0: It was, I mean, we were- Mine
1: was mostly senior citizens. Yeah,
0: we were in the largest theater and it was still relatively like a good amount of crowd. I had a lot of younger guys, though. Like 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds it looked like. like, It was a lot of older people,
1: but- I had like two high school kids- And then... And they're like, this is gay! 20 senior citizens. (laughs) And they skateboarded out.
0: (laughs) They hopped on their wheelies and
1: (laughs) zipped out. It's like, let me join your gang! (laughs) Um, But it was mostly senior citizens. And uh, the movie broke down, like, midway into it. uh, And just stayed on, like, a loading screen, you Mm -hmm. know, basically, for 30 minutes. And I sat there for 10 minutes before like one of the old people was like should we say something? I don't know That's uh, astonishing and the husband being like I'm sure
0: they know and And it was the teenagers
1: that got up and went out and bitched. I didn't even think about it. I thought like well surely they must know about this right? No there's no one meaning the projectors. Oh that's right
0: Yeah it's all digital so they don't know until someone tells them But But it's uh, okay for me to offer that advice but not to say to use the the digital checkout
1: (laughs) No. Well, uh, uh, well, that wasn't advice. <laughs> you were just saying the state of things.
0: I'm just saying if you're looking to save yourself time, you can just use that. Because you probably wouldn't be able to grab the ticket and just go straight through.
1: Okay. This position that you currently dabbled in.
0: Buy something in concessions. I don't, I don't know.
1: Okay. So I can hit a button at concessions and get, like, whatever, corn dogs?
0: No. It doesn't... You still have to go to people at concessions.
1: No. But in Christopher's future, <laughs> if you keep up this behavior. Sure. I guess. like no Mikey I was the guy that actually turned the hot dogs
0: they're not getting rid of me they need me (laughs) and my seven corn dog nuggets a day price was very adequate for them
1: but uh, yeah 1917 amazing absolutely next up bombshell for best actress I did see this one. Jesus Christ. I saw so it. So
0: you saw everything? I saw it. What the f- oh, I gosh.
1: wanted to make up for the fact that like two oh. years
0: ago I saw like two movies. <laughs> so I was like, all right, this year I'm going to just try You're
1: going to gonna rape your poor, extremely busy brother. <laughs> uh. And I saw a lot. I was, <laughs> yeah, you really did. It's Ford awesome. B. Ferrari and Jojo Rabbit, the only two things I didn't see, and Bombshell. And I'm, oh, you didn't I see, saw, you I didn't saw see four, Bombshell? I saw four out of five of Best Actress. That's never happened before. For either of us. Be honest. No, it's really it's it's outstanding in a way. I've seen two, and I've patted myself on the back.
0: Uh Well, I won't talk too much on Bombshell, uh, then. <laughs> but, <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> no, it um... I'll mention that I, it's it's okay. Um, I think so. Uh, Charlize Theron as Megan Kelly is phenomenal. They really like. She has the. Voice I love there. the cast. She brings them in. Well, wait a minute. Was John Lithgow not amazing? <laughs> John Lithgow is great. Look, they do some great jobs putting people into roles and putting makeup on them to make them inter- like to fit them in there. Nicole Kidman as Gretchen, Gretchen, Gretchen Carlson. Really, uh, isn't it Nicole Kidman?
1: Uh, I'm thinking Gretchen's like the homely one.
0: Yeah, but they, they do, ju- like, Gretchen Carlson's who she plays, I believe. Um, and they do a great job getting her into that. Again, Megan Kelly, John Lithgow as, uh, Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes is great. Um, there's some missteps. <laughs> Most notably, uh. First, where is okay. it on
1: the to- <laughs> on your movie list?
0: Oh, on my movie list, this one's right near the bottom. It's over Harriet, <laughs> yeah, it's it's over Harriet. It's uh, in fact, it's Harriet at the very bottom. Yeah, Harriet's at the very bottom. Then it's bombshell. I'll, I'll I'll explain more once we get there. Uh so Rudy Giuliani's in this movie. Can you guess who plays Rudy Giuliani?
1: Is it the girl from Saturday Night Live? That <laughs> Kate McKinnon? No,
0: yeah. might have been a better decision. <laughs>
1: uh, is it someone that's known for comedy? Yes, Rob Schneider.
0: Might have been, still been a better one. Richard Kind. And all they do, they just put like a bald
1: cap on him. Never in the trailers. It's, he's only in like three And I scenes. feel like I sat through a four minute trailer of this movie and didn't see Richard Kind. He's in
0: like three scenes. Just, like, all this work went into putting, like, getting fucking Charlize Theron and, and Nicole Kidman into these perfect roles. And then someone's like, we need a ruling Giuliani. And Richard, Richard kind of was, like, walking Who's by outside?
1: The yeah. They just threw a bald cap off. They threw a... They do a giant butterfly net with a bald cap in it. It's,
0: you really—it's like you're watching Bing Bong or something like that. Like he's just like, ah, what do we? What are they, they didn't rape any of those girls, did you? You're like, I guess Rudy Giuliani is kind of this aggressively charismatic, but you gotta give—he doesn't look like him. You gotta give us a little bit more work into this.
1: Oh my god.
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's otherworldly. Um It's it's fine. My biggest complaint about the movie is, you would especially
1: assume from the Is trailer, there a scene of you to <laughs> Richard Kind? <is.
0: laughs> Let me, I'll mute this here for the moment, but yeah, try looking it up. Uh, my big complaint about the movie is, from the trailers, you were kind of, like, at least I was thinking there was going to be a lot of interaction between the three characters, because Margot Robbie's great in this movie, Um but the characters do not interact for the most part. Uh, there's like sort of one big scene between, uh, Charlize Theron's character and Margot Robbie's, but that's about it. <sighs> Trying to think how to spell Giuliani. <laughs>
1: I thought it would be easier than Richard Kind.
0: Uh I don't, that's No oh, wait, what
1: the <laughs> uh, fuck it.
0: It didn't come right. up immediately. But here. I'll I'll try to find this one in the meantime. Um I'll I'll just say it's There's some messages in the movie that are kind of weird. They really try to take credit as the idea of like and we at Fox News, the women here, we are ready like we started this revolution, girls. Now you finish it. And I'm like, I don't Think this was the the big thing, especially because they started say, the revolution
1: of getting hot women on television. The revolution on the of
0: <laughs> making powerful men have to be responsible for their actions. Like you weren't the start to of me too. Like we can kind of credit that to yeah. Harvey Weinstein first, but also like the whole movie is about taking down Roger
1: Ailes, and then like they were putting again. Harvey Weinstein and the Harvey Weinstein stuff up first. Yeah, but before MSNBC but was still like, of, like, but that's not even
0: a part of the movie. Oh, at all. okay. And, like, the whole movie's just about Roger Dales, and then again, like, this fucking curse of the post-credit, like, text is, like, Roger Dales and Bill O'Reilly brought down, like, you didn't think to cover Bill O'Reilly at all in this movie, aside from, like, oh, yeah. three cursory mentions that, like, I don't know, he's kind of calls me at night. Like, that's about it. Like, they have someone play Bill O'Reilly. Kind of weird. It almost says, like, they CGI his face over on top of it. It's kind of strange. Mm. Uh, But... They don't really. It's Michael get, Shannon. <laughs> they don't really get into it. Uh,
1: Wouldn't that have been perfect for Michael Shannon?
0: Honestly, it should, they have really good. Like they have someone playing Geraldo Rivera that I legitimately I was like, did they just convince Geraldo Rivera to show up? <laughs> Sean Handy's great, Um but yeah, it's um it's it's a fine movie. It's it's just kind of okay though. Uh But I will say Charlize Theron and Margot Robbie are are excellent, in it. and Nicole Kidman too. Honestly, yeah, I love the cast. Yeah, uh, it's, it's, it's excellent in that way.
1: Uh. We'll get to the first one
0: shortly. Was Hank Azaria in it? Uh, if he was, I
1: don't remember no, him. Never mind. How did that show up first? Uh. That clip was literally called Hank Azaria Plays Gassy Leonard. Oh, <laughs> it said he
0: was. Oh god, I really have to sit here and be like, how do I smell Giuliani? <laughs>
1: If it's not showing up now, it's not out there, apparently.
0: Yeah, it must not be. But again, you look at this person, you do not easily see Richard Kind playing him.
1: Hmm. Interesting.
0: I'll see if I can find a a picture of it on my phone or something like that later. Um, Alright, let's let's wrap this up, though, because we're already over two hours. So, let's finish this up with, what could this be? Joker, nominated for Best Actor, and Best Picture.
1: Didn't see it. Was it
0: okay? (laughs) Didn't see it. I did see this one as well. Um, I'll let you talk about it first.
1: Uh I remember leaving it feeling extremely conflicted about the kind of message it sent. Did it kind of glamorize being like a loner sociopath? And not... I don't know. Just being a little bit uneasy with that. And then having... Watched it again. Um... Oh goodness! <laughs> so I'm showing him a
0: picture. Of Richard Kind is of Giuliani.
1: I just assumed it was the the dad from Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, why? Why didn't you just get him then? <laughs> sorry. Carry on. Um, but then after, uh, I sincerely believe this movie wasn't trying to send any kind of strong message about, or any try any strong social message about like mental health. I think outside of maybe like a hint that like we should pay attention to a little bit more, and just that it was supposed to be a story about this guy kind of becoming unhinged and just dealing in this extremely interesting part of like New York when it was just it's impossible like New York, my entire life almost mm-hmm. like Manhattan has been a tourist attraction and Times Square has been a place you bring kids. And But when I was born, and for, like, the 40 years before it, it was just this cesspool of, like, prostitutes and porn shops and crime. And just kind of seeing a guy live in that, I don't think he actually lives in Manhattan, but he spends a fair amount of time in Manhattan. Just watching, like, New York City crumble in the 80s and him deal with that with his own kind of backed up kind of fucking thing. I think it, it wasn't a movie about necessarily mental health. It was just supposed to be a story about this guy and a story that I thought was interesting. And I thought it was told well, um, it's not the strongest story of the year. I think that goes to 1917, but it's by far the strongest performance of anything that I saw today or anything that I saw this year. Like Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. He's you can't stop watching it. This is a long movie, and at some points it drags a little bit, but never really that much. And it just stays interesting the entire time. And you watch this guy pull on this genius performance. This is like something I call work of art. Him in this okay. movie, and I, I, I don't know how he doesn't get best actor. And I'd, I, I would. I'll save it, but I would make a strong argument for Best Movie of the Year. And it's got some flaws, certainly, but I loved it. Absolutely loved it.
0: What a pile of poop. No. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> diarrhea from Start to Finish. That you know where I find this in the encyclopedia? It's under the D section for diarrhea. Oh. I know it has a title.
0: Oh. Who cares? All the shit flowing out of the toilets in Parasite would have been a better watch than this movie.
1: Am I right? Am I right? <laughs> you know what would have made that scene stronger in Parasite if the toilet had just been belching out shots from the Joker? <laughs> just shot out <up> Joker DVDs. <laughs> I, if know. that's what people
0: flush down there, <laughs>
1: I would have pinched my nose in the theater. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Ooh, gross. Uh, no, yeah, I, so, here's the thing. Uh, I'll start this way. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix is absolutely fantastic in the movie. He's great. Uh, I, I've made it a small goal of myself to try to find a way to emulate that Joker laugh at some point, because it's so great. Like, a... <laughs> oh, the fake one? Like, that one's terrifying. It's great. Um, and that was he the one that was he lost so much weight for this movie, it's unnerving. He really devoted a lot to it. Uh and I have to appreciate that. Um Shea Wiggum in a movie too. Good to see he's again in another movie nominated for Best Picture. Good on him. Keep
1: that up, buddy. And you didn't see The Night Of, did you? No. Uh the main cop in The Night Of was Shea Wiggum's partner in it, which in uh The Night Of his name was Detective Box. No. As though he like played- you guys didn't even bother... You were just looking around the room. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, two cops playing cops.
0: <laughs> uh... Some small little bits I just wanted to throw out there. I, I'm i stunned that when there's the subway scene, that the drunk, like, Wall Street guys knew all the lyrics to Send in the Clowns. They knew the whole thing. I was like, I could have done about, you know, the chorus, but they started knowing the whole, like, the refrains and all the, like, the mm-hmm. bridges. I was like, that's impressive.
1: Was big in the 80s.
0: Um... Was it that big? Did everyone do the words?
1: I didn't expect a follow-up question to that.
0: <laughs> that was just part of, that was just patter. Okay. Um, so, I, I, I really appreciate that. Um, and this is definitely a movie that generates discussion because it, 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 it is ambiguous in many ways and creates a situation where after the movie's done, you're able to kind of discuss a lot. Uh, because an element of it is how much of it is real or what parts of it were real, things like that. So I have a theory on the movie that if this theory is how it is meant to be, I can enjoy the movie a lot more. Cause the big thing about the movie for me was I was like, I don't understand why the crowd heralds him as a hero. It doesn't make sense to me. Like in any way, shape or form. You're assuming that's real. Th- that's what I'm, that's what I'm getting at. Okay. Is. So, we find out, uh, we go to the comedy club. And also, small tangent here. When he
1: goes up, like, I like that Sam- was
0: Sam Morell, everybody! I
1: like how and I, Sam Morell... Gary like, Goldman is famous enough that they gave, they didn't announce his name, but Sam Morell's like, nobody gives a shit who you are, kid. And
0: I had to stop. I was like, Sam Morell's a real comedian. Like, anyone who knows comedy... Doing, I'm pretty sure, a real bit of his. And I was like, Doesn't it seem like this movie does take place in like sometime, like in the eighties, at some point or something like
1: that? No, this is a level under Bob Odenkirk where you're overestimating how many people care about comedy. I know
0: it's only it's only people who care about comedy, but it was a moment where I was like, I don't understand why you you just didn't have to say any name, really, (laughs) dude. If I was give a fake name, I don't. It's weird to me that they would use his real.
1: If I was Sam Morrell, I'd be slightly upset that it's like, oh, that means I'm nowhere near famous enough that anyone that watches this movie is going to give a flying shit that they use my real name, except for, like, two guys in Harrisburg. But I would find that so fucking cool, dude, that, like, I got to do it. And I'm pretty sure, and I think Gary Goldman, too, did a bit of their own material. They might have, yeah. Like, that's so fucking cool, man. If you're him, wouldn't you love that? You're like, who cares that, like, nobody knows who I am? And literally, nobody knows. Uh, I mean, it's something to say. I would say less like, than 2% of that audience has ever heard that name probably before.
0: Probably not. Yeah, probably probably much
1: better. And I love him. And he's a great comedian. I'm not shitting mm-hmm. on him at all. And, and I, his voice is so distinct that you knew it as soon as you heard it that that was him. But I thought that was really kind of cool that they didn't uh, give him a fake name or, you know what? You didn't announce Gary Goldman's name. So you could have just gotten out of, without That's why even I th- saying anything. It was
0: anything. like the only thing I was about like, by announcing it, you've, you've stay and lead the audience for those who actually care. Where I'm just like, Oh, okay. I well, let mean, let me give a second to get myself back into this. Mm-hmm. Um, but so he goes up on stage and he's bombing horribly. He's, he's laughing through his own jokes. He's, he's very nervous. Uh, but we we cut to his audience, uh his girlfriend the audience who we later on very clearly established, like all those scenes are fake.
1: Which I went to the bathroom. <laughs> uh I went to the bathroom after the one part I thought was kinda weird was the uh the very over the top Wall Street guys that were like I mean I get them like harassing that girl on the subway. But then they're like, Oh, some guy in a clown makeup gave us shit. Let's stomp him to death. Like, I understand they're drunk, but that felt like them trying to like kind of, we're not placating to white people entirely. But, um, but I went to the bathroom after that when Joaquin Phoenix is in the bathroom, like doing yoga poses. And I was like, all right, this feels like I got a couple minutes to take a pee and came back. And I guess I missed the scene of him kicking the door in and making out with what, Zazie Bates. Is that her name? Uh... Zazie? Sure. I don't know. <laughs> She's a new
0: actress to me, at least, so... Sounds about right. Uh, I don't remember if that's where that scene was, but I know it happens in the movie. Oh, okay. So. She's in Atlanta. Um, so, in that scene, he's doing bad, but it cuts over to his girlfriend, and people start laughing along with his jokes. So, it creates this idea that you're like, okay, it goes a little better. We afterwards find out that's not the case. He bombs horribly, so much so that uh like a late night television show uses this clip on air for material
1: so it's this, this universe sp- is Johnny Carson yeah
0: so it cements this idea that the movie can present to us a different reality where people like Joker or people like Ar- Arthur I guess I should say so in my mind what happens is he he does everything at the late night show kills Murray everything happens he's in the car and then when it gets hit and all the people pull him out like that's fake. That, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. He, it's this thing where he's like, no, this crowd will love me because I've, I've done what they wanted. I've, I've created this world and this society. So he's literally lifted up and treated like a messiah. And that doesn't happen. Instead, he went right to prison where he was deemed or right to jail and he was deemed too insane, sent to an insane asylum. And that's where the movie ends.
1: But then he still runs out with the, the blood stained Footprints. I mean that could
0: just be symbolic of the fact that he's killed people. Or that he's specifically <laughs> killed Murray and these bloody footprints behind him, him and his mom and everything like that. Like, here's the thing. I That has to be how it happens because if it was meant to be any kind of reality where that crowd actually does lift him up and treat him as a messiah, I'm like, that's a fucking garbage thing. Because it doesn't make sense of what the movie's trying to do at all. So I have to rationalize it that way. And that might be intentional. But this movie is very vague, somewhat so much
1: to kind I of... I kind of love that, because I'll explain to you in a bit, but it, it allows you to create your own ending. But it's it's to the detriment of the movie for me, because I I don't...
0: Like, it's nice to be able to find, like, maybe that didn't happen, maybe it didn't. But I could come away with a vastly different experience by saying, like, well, that thing definitely can't happen, because if it does, then this movie's... Like, the message is, is fucking bonkers. But there's not enough evidence to me to give me a concrete answer that's definitely an intention of, like, the director. It feels like there's a lot that's kind of left ambiguous and given too much to the audience to be like, you figure it out. And I can enjoy a certain level of that, but my movie's, like, intrinsic ability to enjoy it is, like, on a, a thin line as to whether or not some of these things happen or not.
1: Um... It, and here's my opinion and my opinion was based when it was still going to be this is definitely a one-off movie it's mm-hmm. done and you know I've heard reports that Joaquin Phoenix is kind of leaving it open that he would do another one which might shatter this Uh my ending honestly I kind of thought was when after the the very odd Gary Glitter song I'm dancing yeah down the stairs and the cops, uh, call out to him. He runs out and gets hit by the cab that I think that's where that ends. He becomes the Joker before it when he kills, uh, man, the guy that repeats himself from Boardwalk Empire yeah. constantly, uh, kills him and lets the midget out which is one of the funniest scenes it's It's so
0: darkly humorous it's 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 great it's one of those moments you're just like I can't like it's horrifying what's happening and even when when he kisses him him on the head
1: you're like oh please don't kill him please
0: don't kill this guy you just said he was the only person who was nice to you
1: and it ends there and everything else everything else after that seems like kind of a dream him on the train with all the clowns him showing up at that show dressed as like this weird politically very controversial figure that like you think they're like, we're not going to let you on the air. There's, like, riots going on outside. And they still let him on. And he still kills uh Robert De Niro, which I thought was one of the most painful scenes in the movie is Robert De Niro interviewing Joaquin Phoenix. And Joaquin Phoenix just acting his ass off and just seeing such a wooden... And just sitting through just a wooden Robert De Niro performance. Am I wrong? I didn't have the same opinion, but I can see why. Um, But the rest of that feels like it could all be fiction. Because that's, you know, that would be, like, the jerk-off dream that character would have. As far as what happens. But right. are
0: you okay, then, with, like, watching a movie where, like, 33% of it, then, doesn't happen?
1: Yeah, it's the Joker. You, you release some suspension, and you already go into it knowing it's the Joker story, which is already a story that can be very easily landed to like kind of craziness and it's gonna be Joaquin Phoenix throwing in a performance. And I'm completely fine. I'm completely fine with this movie not meaning anything. If the director came out like the whole thing was a dream that he had while he was jerking off, I'm fine with that. It was like this was a great story. It looked fantastic. And the more real, the more you force me to analyze what happens the day after, the less I like See, you you don't want to analyze it more after the fact. No, I want to analyze it as this movie that you can kind of decide where it ends, where it begins. I mean, you already know he's a completely un... uh, un,
0: uh, Unrepentant?
1: No. Uh, An unreliable narrator. The entire time. You can already tell that. And uh, did you think there was any chance he was actually uh, Thomas Wayne's son? Even though... No. How crazy was it to figure out how old Joaquin Phoenix was actually supposed to be in this movie?
0: <laughs> so I, I mean, I agree with you that it's it's this a movie that's ultimately kind of best described as a character study because I I do think this movie isn't trying to be political, although it keeps referencing aspects that are. It just has nothing to say about them except that they exist. Like I know some people have been trying to say like this is a movie about class inequality, and you're like. I mean, it's not, because it doesn't say anything about it. it. doesn't, like, try to address it in any way. It's black
1: people are good. Just a backdrop to the movie. That's the only true. thing in the movie. Every black character is actually good.
0: Uh, one of the black people at the clown place was addicted to him.
1: Ah, oh, that's right, yeah.
0: Um. But, and again, I I love Joaquin Phoenix in this movie. To me, I don't think the Joker's an interesting enough character to do an entire movie about. Without Batman there, and the Batman parts are the worst part of this movie. They're so unnecessary. Like all of them should have been cut. I agree with that. I was like the idea where, and it almost felt like it's exactly like when Solo tried to be like, all right, well, we're going to ha- here's how we, de- we need to name a Ben Solo. So like, we need to make sure the pearls fall again in this movie, but she's not getting robbed. So she's being attacked by a, a riot, the Joker's car. And I was like, stop this. Stop every part of this. This is so unnecessary. Not every fucking movie in the Batman universe needs to have these fucking pearls drop again.
1: I gotta, and I agree with that aspect. I gotta ask, were you bummed out how easily uh Alfred got choked out and <laughs> like, kind of scared. I mean, it was a little bit scared.
0: Odd. Well, I thought it was odd that,
1: that like Bruce Wayne just kind of stands there the whole time. He doesn't say
0: anything, not like, oh, stop, or anything like that. Just kind of watches his, like, mentor just get, like, brought
1: down to the ground. But I was like, uh, Alfred's supposed to be, like, former British, like, mercenary. <laughs>
0: uh, depending on the versions.
1: I mean, there's some Is versions, that depending I on think, the
0: versions? I think there's some versions where he's, like, a military, like, ex-military. Am I wrong? Is some... that only the Michael Caine
1: one? That's I, think supposed to be... Mike, I
0: don't think he was supposed to be any kind of military in, like, the, the Bruce Timm universe or, like, the original. I'm sure eventually they've retconned that in, but...
1: Okay, so I completely misread that, because I was very disappointed he didn't, like, snap
0: no, I, I, I Phoenix's
1: think, wrist.
0: I was going to say, I think different interpretations have just said he's just a butler before. Like, so I don't think it's un- unnatural. to think he would just be a butler.
1: So did you think the mom was entirely delusional?
0: I think that probably makes for the cleanest story, uh, again, it's up to interpretation over how much of it was real or not,
1: but. It only made it hard because I was like, Joaquin Phoenix, you look like you're five years younger than Thomas Wayne.
0: Yeah, it's a little bit odd there, but, um, I don't know, it, it's, it's something where I can appreciate what this movie did. This is another one where I, my opinion of the movie kind of got better after reading other people, like, reading other thoughts about it because it's like okay these people seem to really dig it for whatever reason uh, maybe it's just not for me um, it's still pretty low on my list but uh, I still can appreciate under uh, Harriet no bigger, long <laughs> yeah it's just it's right there what happened to the dog um, I will say this maybe this is my most controversial opinion about the Joker though uh, still before uh, still prefer uh, Heath Ledger as Joker I still think that's the best Joker.
1: You can't compare him.
0: I, I think it's just a better performance.
1: It's screen time. There, there's no comparison. Joaquin Phoenix is in every minute of this movie, even in the flashbacks. He's, like, in the, whatever, the glass. Man's entitled to his opinion. Oh Well, your opinion's just wrong on fundamental reasons. <laughs> he can't... Okay, is a man I...
0: not entitled to the sweat off his own brow? Bioshock, et cetera, et cetera. Alright. You can take that. Alright. Uh, with that then, we've, we've finished talking about all the movies. Those are all 14. Uh, go over, I guess, our, our picks then. Uh, let's start with, uh, best actor, best actress, and then, uh, best picture. And I believe as the defending champion, I should have the champion's advantage, and you may go first.
1: Okay, so I'm getting Homefield. Uh I mean, it doesn't matter. They're, these aren't exclusive like
0: No, I, I, I no, no. You we can both pick the same. Well, that's what I mean.
1: The home best actor I, Joaquin Phoenix, I think I don't think there's even a close. Uh, I mean, I really love Leonardo DiCaprio in in Once Upon a Time, but uh I would have to go Joaquin Phoenix. Yes. I think yeah,
0: I, I think it's 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 I think it's going to be Joaquin Phoenix. Um I loved everybody in the category. Jonathan Price was very good. Adam Driver is fantastic. Uh, Antonio Banderas was really good. And Leonardo DiCaprio was great. Um, But I think they're going to give it to Joaquin Phoenix. I think that's how the movie's being promoted to, is on this idea of, like, look at this performance. He lost a ton of weight, which unfortunately is something the Academy kind of has kind of a fetish for, of being like, oh, this person lost a lot of weight or did something to their body for the role. They should get it. So... I think he will. He swept everything else, so it feels natural for him to get this too. Dude,
1: I think a- if he showed up fat in this, I think he still deserves it from like
0: start to finish. No, that's thing. what I mean. It's the same thing where they do—they did something to their physical appearance for the sake of this. It, but
1: it's irrelevant. He—I'm it, not
0: saying it's okay. not. Like I'm saying, that's how the Academy judges things.
1: Okay, what's Christopher's pick for best performance?
0: Um, I probably would still say Joaquin Phoenix just because it's a centerpiece movie around him. Mm-hmm. Leonardo DiCaprio has more things around him. And, like, the same with everybody else. But Joaquin Phoenix is is kind of holding the movie on his own in that regard. Well, yeah,
1: it's a ridiculous idea to kind of make a movie where, like, the lead actor is actually 97% of this movie, like, the whole way through.
0: Uh, so I'll give it to him on that. Uh, best Actress? Uh, I'm going to give it to Renee Zellweger for Judy. I think the Academy is going to like movies that are about Hollywood. They're going to like this idea that it was, like, a starlet's chance to get her chance to shine. They're going to give it to someone different. I don't... I think Little Women kind of hampers Syriso Ronan a little bit. Like, I think that's just because of a movie that's been done so many times. It's kind of like like Lady Gaga, Shallow Thing, or uh, Star is Born, where, like... We've seen this before, but I think that maybe lowers it in the nominations. And it already sounds like the Academy's kind of poo-pooing it, just because they were like... "Eh, I didn't like Greta uh, Gerwig's interpretation of it, or something like that, Mm -hmm. so... I feel like if you look at the rest of it, uh, they're never going to give it to Charlize Theron. Uh, despite her being very good, they're never going to give it to a movie that involves Fox News in any single way. Uh, so I think it's it's between uh, Renee Zellweger, Cynthia uh, Erivo, and uh, Scarlett Johansson, I think Renee Zellweger's going to get it.
1: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, Renee Zellweger gets it, and that's my pick. Um, if I'm going on what I want, I, w- I would probably go Scarlett Johansson, honestly.
0: I did see her getting it too. I think she's the number two on that and I, I,
1: think- It's kind of a weird year cause she's up for best supporting mm-hmm. so I feel like that's why I think she'd probably get that one. It's gonna be her, her consolation prize. But I think, uh, well I didn't see JoJo Rabbit so I can't really say it. But I, I really loved her in the marriage story. Mm-hmm. And I loved her more than in uh, the Judy Garland one, but it, it, again, that comes down to screen time. And Judy Garland is that entire fucking... There's no point in seeing that yeah. movie without Renee Zellweger.
0: And then Best Picture?
1: I'm down to two. If we both pick the same one, I'll change it. 1917. I was, say, that, I was
0: gonna say, that's the champion's advantage. I could just, whatever you say, just decide to go with the same one.
1: No, but yeah. it comes down to we can't, uh, you can't lock me into the same one if we have the same picks for everything. Like, I have to be able to pick you can, something you can, else.
0: You can pick, I'm picking 1917. Like, I think that's what the academy's gonna go for. It's technically so proficient. God damn I think it stands above everything else that's out there. Everything else is either too niche or a little too out there for them. But 1917, the Oscars are unfortunately a super safe Committee, so I think
1: I actually kind of like this because the whole time I was thinking Christopher was gonna half ass it and not see all the movies, especially 1917, which was only out in theaters, and Parasite, that uh, was only out for like 15. How did you see Parasite? Did we
0: you rent, pay f- we rented on Amazon
1: for 15 bucks?
0: No, six dollars. $6. When, uh, like last week with Terry,
1: okay. Two weeks before that, (laughs) two weeks before that, you could only get it for a buy on Amazon for 15 bucks. Um, I think uh, best actor, best actress are going to white people. Best supporting and uh, actor and actress are going to white people. Uh, You know, the academy is terrified of being perceived as racist. So I wasn't bummed about the idea of picking Parasite. I could see it being kind of differential enough. It's either going to, mark my words, Parasite is either getting best actor or best director, or best picture or best director. I
0: think it has a real shot at best director. They've given that over the years to foreign films quite a few times, or not foreign films, but foreign filmmakers rather. <laughs> um, so I, I, I do not think it's a shock to think that's going to happen. Are you already yeah. sitting here like, oh God, Woman I want gotta...
1: to watch cats! <laughs> oh, no! cats? No, no, come on. Come on, Academy, stop being so old and white and predictable. All right, I got an early morning of flying out to Hollywood tomorrow, picketing outside, like, so white Oscars, so white Oscars.
0: You do it in blackface, so they can't do it to you. You're like, this is me how I get way over all those guys. They'll think I'm part of the tribe. No, I'm gonna but do, you don't
1: do your hands. I'm gonna do it in in chink face with like <laughs> clothespins holding my eyes back and call it chink face numerous times.
0: <laughs> They're just like that. Doesn't sound about right. I don't really know what he's going for here. Uh, I'm
1: gonna pick parasite, but that's not a bad pick.
0: No, it's not. I, look, if,
1: if, if, I, I, if Vegas I was, odds, if, Joaquin Phoenix was way at the top. So was uh, Renee Zellweger. Picture, it got real close between, like, uh 1917, Parasite, uh, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
0: If, if you were to, to ask me which one I think should win, I would say Parasite is the best, like, objective movie out of all of them. And I think it should win for that. But I just don't... Like, the fact that Roma got passed over already kind of makes it like an idea to me that was like, they don't really care that much about foreign films. I kind of, I wonder how many of the Academy voters, well,
1: Marcial Ali got best supporting actor that year.
0: Yeah. But I'm like, how many of the actor, like how many of the Academy voters even saw it? Uh, and especially when you consider that it might be rated by a metric too, like a, a one, two, three kind of like points based system. I think most people are going to put 1917 at or near the top of their list. And I think there's gonna be a, a good amount of people that don't put parasite anywhere near the top.
1: hmm Man, I really thought this happy, like there's no way Christopher dragged his broke ass into a movie theater and watched 1970. I really,
0: there's so many I watched so many through Redbox. It's it's astonishing.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Alright, well this isn't terrible. I'm I'm fine. I'd like reserve myself that like parasite <laughs> you, was. You already
0: feel it in your soul, don't you? Like I'm gonna see no. cats. I'll see it with you. <laughs>
1: There's no way. I'm gonna go upstairs and put bullets in the gun, just in case. <laughs>
0: just like at 10 p.m. last night, I just did like, <laughs> God, dude. Well, here's the thing: it's Best Picture that's all that's. No, right? it's just that's like the La, La La Land. The
1: very end, it's the La La Land Oscars where they fucked it up and I blew the roof out of my head. They're like, oh no, I'm sorry. <laughs> that said, Parasite, not not 1917. I don't know how I confuse letters with numbers. <laughs>
0: So, to make this super clear for the audience listening, because this one should be uploaded tomorrow, uh, which would be today, the day of the Oscars, uh, we are tied on Joker, or uh, Joaquin Phoenix, and Renee Zellweger. It's all the so best picture. The separating picture. thing is if uh, 1917 or Parasite wins, if something else wins, then neither of us get a point for that. It would still be a tie. So it would just go No, down. you win,
1: because you that's saw the I mean. most it would movies. Go, it would go down to me yeah. seeing the
0: most movies. So, it, it has to be... Mikey's only chance of winning is if Parasite wins. God damn it!
1: <laughs> Why did you give a shit when you're working so little? <laughs> Dude. Right. Oh. That is going to do it for the
0: Super Larius Brothers podcast. <laughs> the oh. Oscar podcast this year. We'll <laughs> <laughs> <So> catch
1: <laughs> next. <laughs> <laughs>